get it going. It's time to get up. And here come the Canucks the other way in numbers. Besser across the line. In on goal, he scores! Brock Besser goes high on the glove side of Markstrom, and the lotto line has come to play tonight. These guys are here to break it all down. I think we need to win a game. I think uh, we've put ourselves in a position where all that stuff doesn't matter. we got to prepare every game in order to win, um, give us a, a chance moving forward to in the playoff race. There's no vaccine for these guys. I'm going back to bed. See you guys. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. What's happening? It is Thursday, February 18th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. James Zabalski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650 on the AM dial. You can also catch us on HD3 at 96.9 or the Sportsnet app. The Dunbar Lumber text line, always open for business, 24-7, 365, and you can find the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, and at Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us on Twitter. Time to get those submissions in. Your Canucks in a song. What music track best sums up what you saw on the ice last night in Calgary as the Canucks pick up a 5-1 win? 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Lots to get to. Dave Amber from HockeyNet in Canada will join us in an hour. Ian McIntyre drops by on your Canucks commute just after 8 o'clock this morning. But, Pear, what a marked improvement by the Vancouver Canucks last night. No doubt about letting a game get away, bearing down, resilient, and maybe the best effort of the year we've seen from Braden Holpe, and maybe the best effort we've seen from Braden Holpe as a Vancouver Canuck. The way he played last night, impressive, and a day of atonement for the Vancouver Canuck veterans. All those guys that had those terrible turnovers. Ash Wednesday yesterday turned out to be the day of atonement for several Canucks veterans. Yeah, what was that? Um, it was just good right from the start. And I didn't think that was happening going in. I thought this hockey team was still kind of the Jekyll and Hyde, but they found 60 minutes of hockey when they made the mistake. Holpe was there for them. And you kind of, you know, to watch a final 15 minutes of a third period in a Vancouver Canucks game, James, you and I have done it all as the fans have. And you go, oh, I'm really not worried about anything here. Like, what's next? You know, what are they having for food on the plane is what the players are thinking. <laughs> Good on them. I'll tell you this, though. You watch that game, and, and I'll refer to anybody who's got stocks or you're looking at your portfolio, don't. Don't check the standings. Because as impressive as they were, going, this looks good, and it wasn't a bad series. They pick up five of a possible eight against Calgary. You look at the standings, you go, man, there's this still there's a lot of work that needs to be done. It's like going, I, you don't want to check your, your stocks and, and, and all your mutual funds in the summertime when we're in COVID. Just wait for things to get back to normal. There's still a long ways to go to get back to normal, but this weekend looms large yet again, and they've got to feel good about themselves after that 60-minute effort against Calgary. If you go, can we start connecting the dots here and look at how this team has improved their play over the last five games? I get they haven't won them all, but if you want to go back to that Leafs game a week and a half ago, mm -hmm. better against the Leafs, Better in the first game against the Flames. They ultimately lost that one. They pick up the win against Calgary last Saturday. 
lose an overtime at the beginning of the week and then pick up a decisive win last night. But can we talk a little more about the what may have been the watershed moment for this hockey club this season when Braden Holpe finally lifted up his mask in frustration on that Saturday night and had a little jaw fest with JT Miller? But Holpe Millergate just might have been the turning point for this team's season right now based on how this team has responded in their play over the last five games. You're wrong. You're not wrong. Like It could have been the rock bottom, and it could have been kind of the new pecking order. Let's figure it out. We don't have the goalie who's normally been back there and normally been, been a loud voice. We're missing that guy who throws his body in front of the puck all the time and makes the star players look good. And JT Miller, you were good last year, and now you're trying to figure it out. Shout out to you, by the way, too. I agree. So Holpe, out of character, lights him up in front of everybody, and maybe that cleared it up. But shout out to you, my friend, as we watched that power play, and we didn't get a lot of power play opportunities, but you watched Brock Besser on that side wall, available for that one-timer. And putting JT Miller back where it's JT Miller, you're a mucker and a grinder. Don't worry about the manicure. Be a mucker and a grinder. You still have good hands, but you don't have to worry about it so much. It just seemed that everything fit. And I know it's easy when you win, but everything seemed to fit. People in the right places yesterday. And you're right. You go back to that explosion on the ice Saturday night, their effort. You can say, if you're judging, not looking at scores, they've been the better team on the ice since then in every game. Look, that, that moment, I don't think you can understate. Um, I think JT Miller looked like he had something to prove last night. Bo Horvat looked like he had something to prove after that awful giveaway that tied things up back on Monday night. Nate Schmidt looked like he had something to prove after that awful giveaway. Coincidence? You know, Jordy Ben had something to prove after that horrible defensive coverage on the heels of that Horvat turnover back on Monday night. And look at all those veterans stepping up responding with a goal and not to say that goals are everything but those guys responded they worked harder they engaged and you know what here's the other thing that the Vancouver Canucks benefited from last night pair I think this is huge because we saw this in Canucks history over the last couple of years Jacob Markstrom you cannot go to the well Mm -hmm. too often with Jacob Markstrom he is a goaltender that needs rest and the Flames I get it you're paying the man to be your guy well you're finding out firsthand that that man needs rest. And look, I'd be curious if the Flames do get in the playoffs. How does Jay, how is Jacob Markstrom going to respond and fare when he plays every other night? Because that's the way a playoff schedule goes, right? And here he was playing his fourth game every other night in sort of a playoff-style schedule. And what happened? By game number four last night, Jacob Markstrom, look, I don't, I'm not going to say any of the goals were bad, but Jacob Markstrom looked very human last night, and finally he gets chased in a 5-1 victory. Jacob Markstrom needs his rest. That's what we've learned as Canucks fans here in this market, right? And well, he was burned last night. He was. I think when you go to a new team and you get a day off, you're saying, I can play, I can play, I can play. It's only when you're in that comfort zone that we had with the Canucks that you go, hmm. I'll, 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 you know, I need a rest. Give, give me a break. He doesn't want to do it against his whole team. The games are too big. You know, Braden Hopey on the other end saying, hey, I, I enjoyed the rest. Sometimes it's good to get away, get the extra work in with Ian Clark. The one thing, and we'll get into it, we'll hear probably the most meaningful clip post game yesterday. It came from Jeff Ward of the Calgary Flames. Unless it's the Canucks show, but let's talk about the Calgary Flames. Here's a team that's sputtering. Out of nowhere, Bill Peters' situation happens. You bring Jeff Ward in. They play a little bit better, and then they try and fix the problem with Jacob Markstrom. 
Calgary's looked at the first 16 games that they've played, and they can go, eh, I guess we've been okay. They've been okay because of goaltending, where at least the Canucks, when they had to do the forensics on their first 16 games, it was like, okay, we suck. We suck defensively. Our goaltending's not making big saves. Our star players aren't scoring. Collectively, as a group, we're bad. Calgary's going, you know, we're bad, but we've been okay because of the goalie. Eliminate that goalie. I don't know, like... You look now, and we're giving Toronto and Montreal the fact that those two are likely making it. Tell you what, I don't know if the Calgary Flames are going to be able to turn this thing around. But full credit for the Canucks because matchups were something Travis Green tried to get on, double-shifting Bo Horvat, and everybody came to play. And it's as simple as the best players were the best players. When you legitimately have your top six as your top six, this team will win their fair share of hockey games. Uh, 100%. And, and look, here's the other encouraging thing that I think we saw from the Vancouver Canucks over the last couple of games, and that is the there was a sequence late in the second period from the lotto line and how they rolled out and dominated for two consecutive shifts. And I think, to me, we saw it for a glimpse in, on Monday night pair, but these might be some telling signs that this line that we've kind of wondered What's going on here, guys? And statistically, it's funny because I mean, Besser's having a huge bounce-back season right now. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. And Miller, as much as he's taken so much stick here in this market over the last month or so since the start of the season, you know, he's right around that point-of-game clip. Petey's the one offensively who's scuffled so far this season, at least from a production standpoint. But we're starting to see some signs that this lotto line kind of taking over games like they can, or at least we were accustomed to last season. Here's Brock Besser on the heels of a one-goal, three-point performance on knowing that this line, we've been waiting for this line to step up. They knew it. They had to, and they delivered last night. Here's Brock Besser. Obviously, it's separate from the power play. I mean, our power play is you know, five guys working together, but... Um... You know, as as a line, we knew we need to be better and I think um, score more goals and get more offenses on time. And I thought we did a lot better tonight of um, getting in on the forecheck, turning the puck over, and spending time there. And um, I think that resulted in a few goals. And um, you know, I think it was a good step for our line, and we we got to keep it going and uh, continue to to score with both on. So twenty one points on the season now for Brock Besser. I mean, he's right up there amongst the league leaders. I, you know, I know when the game's at hand, but Besser just played just over a minute more than Jake Furtan. Like, Brock Besser, the confidence he's playing with, and the one thing, and we'll hear from a postgame, the one thing I liked about the postgame yesterday and I like about this team is, you know, and I hate it come playoff time, and Bo Horvath said, I'm not going to get too high when we're in, we're not going to get too down when we lose. No, I think we saw them down, but the expectation is that they're one of the best lines in the NHL. The expectation for Brock Besser is that when he looks on net, that he can now score like he used to. And if you take that attitude, that's going to carry you a long way as long as you start doing it. When this team gets to strut, they got some kids who can strut. They haven't been able to, but if they can get in a groove now, and they need to, they need to go on a run, uh, that's going to fix an awful lot of problems. Because I don't know, as you said, I don't know if the confidence could get any lower than what we witnessed in the first month. You know, the funny thing statistically, though, Pear, from a, from a production standpoint, Besser and Hughes are both in the top 10 in scoring right now. Yeah. And if you throw in JT Miller in that, you got three guys in the top 20 in league scoring. And if you want to throw in Bo Horvat into that conversation as well, you got four guys that are in the top 25 in NHL scoring right now. 
Like, there's some production from these guys, but it also speaks to just how badly they bled goals in their own end to start the year because there is some offensive production from a lot of their key guys this year. I'd say the one guy, and look, I know people don't want to hear it, but Pedersen's been the one offensively who has underperformed, right? Like, this, the numbers haven't with, been there, and I think eight, he's, up, with he's among the league post, leaders. Though. What's yeah, that? But with eight with eight goalposts, like I think he was <laughs> near the top of the lead with crossbars and goalposts. Hey, James, I don't think we've ever said this team really needs some secondary scoring. They score every night, but they were just so leaky for the first month. And now, hey, that first goal, Hoaglander comes back hard on a back check, gets the puck at their own blue line, and they're off and gone the other way. You saw guys pitching at the right time and not getting burnt anymore. And if they're burnt, Sutter's back on defense. Someone's back, and they're playing as a five-man unit. Still taking the chances, but boy, you know, we can talk about the five and the goal scoring in the lotto line, but more impressive is the one, right? Mm-hmm. Defensively, you played really well. And Hughes gets gets beaten on the outside, but at some point as Nate Schmidt said, hey, give credit. Sometimes the other team's going to score a goal, but you were giving other teams too many chances where they didn't deserve the credit. Tyler Toffoli was great, but when Tyler Toffoli was scoring against Canucks here in Vancouver, just can we put that on a tray? Do you need anything else? Do you need an extra utensil and a napkin for you, Mr. Toffoli? Because here we are. They were serving it up. They're not doing it that right now. You know, you, you mentioned you mentioned the Pedersen stat. I think he leads the league with what posts and crossbars. He's 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 the Iron Chef, if you will. Uh, you know, and, and that's a game of inches. So it, maybe that's a telling sign that he's close. I mean, if four of those are. You know, just the opposite way. You're talking about four in the back of the net. So um, keep 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 tracking that stat as we kind of continue. But now 20 games in the books. Here's Travis Green last night on what this win last night does mentally for the Canucks. Well, I think it gives you just belief in what you're doing, what you're playing, how you're playing. Uh, it's one it's one thing to be told that you're playing well, and and I think they believed they were. But games like this will just solidify. Uh, maybe that belief and and continuing to get the buy-in that we need throughout our whole group to play a certain way. Uh, you know, I said it. I've said it the last few days. We're not going to look past the next game. We're not going to. We're not going to talk about trying to go on a run here. We're just we'll enjoy tonight's game and and uh, tomorrow start getting ready for the next game. And uh, you know, if you keep playing the way we can and the way we have the last really probably since that Toronto game, uh, good things are going to happen if we play that way. I truly believe that. So the Canucks now back home for four more. The encouraging thing is I guess they technically win the series against the Flames because they pick up five out of a possible eight points. They go 2-1-1 one, and one against Calgary here in this four-game series. The downside is, though, Pear, they allowed the Flames to take four points, right? And And you know what? The Canucks were... The Canucks were the better team in this series, but they still allowed Calgary to sneak in and steal at that game on Monday night. Like the Canucks should have won that one. And mm-hmm. I would even say last Thursday, while this team was still struggling and scuffling, you know, there's another one that they probably should have won. Yeah, uh, everybody's submitting on the number of our text line, 650-650 Canucks in a song. Nelson and Kelowna, this is not a submission for a song, but he's just saying, calm down. Let's see what they can do against the next opponent. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a Taylor Swift song? You need to calm down. I believe there's something like that. I, I see that, James, and that's why I say don't look at the standings. Uh, be happy with how your team has played in the last four games, but they haven't made up much ground, right? And there's so many games still in hand. 
you could roll over Winnipeg. Winnipeg's still going to have four games in hand on you when you're finished with their series in the next couple of games. So there's a lot of work to be done. But as Travis Green had said, he likes how they're playing. And uh, that hockey team is questionable in Calgary. But let's see what you can do against Winnipeg. You beat them once. If you can get, you can get the better of them in the series, you just want to be in that fight. And if they play like that, I think they will be in that fight. But make no mistake. Standings aren't fun to look at still right now, and I think the team knows that. Well, they've got six coming up against the teams that they're uh, jostling with for a playoff spot right now. I think you look – I mean, I don't think you could look at Montreal and Toronto right now, but, you know, you got some points against the Flames. Now you got two other teams that you're going to be right there in the thick of it with if you're serious about trying to get into the playoffs. Uh, and it starts tomorrow night with a double shot against the Jets, followed by a double shot against the Oilers, and those four games at home at Rogers Arena. You know, on the flip side, look, obviously a positive game, a positive result for the Canucks, and the first real kind of dominant victory since the Ottawa series uh, going back weeks ago. But on the flip side, you look at the Flames, man. This is a herky-jerky start for this team, right? You know, Markstrom's been great, but this team, I, I think Jacob Markstrom has certainly kind of masked some issues. And Jeff Ward didn't really pull any punches last night after the game. It's time to put this thing to bed and take charge and take control of what we can. And, you know, we, we certainly can control the way we start. We certainly can control how we pay attention to details, how hard we compete, how much we care. You know, all those things are certainly within our control. It's time for us to start giving a shit about it. And there's, like, you know, the giving a meter, right? Well, I said last night on social media, like, this is a four-game series, but really, was there any intensity? And it's not like you're looking at Petey and Brock Besser to stir it up. But, you know, how much did we talk about Matthew Kachuk? Which you would think in four yeah. games, he is going to be underneath everyone's skin. I mean, when a coach is saying you're, you're, you're finding out how much you care, uh, you, you can't get any lower than when you're questioning your team's compete. And I understand it because Jacob Markstrom has masked a lot of problems. And you look at Calgary media last night going, look, where are they going? Like maybe this team, it's something internal. Uh, as, as Haley Sullivan said to us yesterday, like, who knows what's going on in that room? You can't get in there. But the performance, if you're a Flames fan watching those four games, you feel like, you, man, we got out of that really lucky. But right now, uh, they're the worst team in the North Division. Well, look, I mean, Matthew Kachuk just doesn't seem right. You know, I'll tell you what. There's one guy who shows up every shift, and he was the guy who had the unbelievable finish last night, tap dancing around Quinn Hughes mm -hmm. and beating Braden Holpe. But that's Andrew Mangiapane just had a wonderful series, I thought, for the Flames. Too many other passengers, but Mangiapane, man, he's a player. You know what he is? To me, I, I watch him. He, he reminds me of Tyler Mott with more offensive upside. Well, I, I think it's noticeable anybody who can skate, right, and can scoot, he can do that. But he uh, hustles Hoaglander, too, right? Yeah. It's not just skating. It's what? like he hustles. Well, and that's the Hoaglander love and, and Hoaglander getting more again today. That the great thing about Hoaglander, he wasn't so noticeable yesterday because everybody else was working hard. But you know what you're getting from that kid every night? Like every night. And Mangiapane's like that too. Like he didn't take any shifts off. There was a lot of other big names that were tough to find in the last four games for the Calgary Flames. And I don't know, as I said, you go back to Bill Peters and then Ward coming in there, there may be just something with this team that it's not right. And we talked about it last year when it was over. Many thought, you know, I don't know if Johnny Goudreau was the right guy to lead this team. And as, as they sink, you start to question character. And certainly that's what the coach did last night. So Canucks uh, will uh, return home. And in the meantime, they back on the ice against the Winnipeg Jets. But, man, we ask you each and every day and morning after a Canucks game, 
What song? Music is subjective, people. What song best sums up that Canucks performance from the night before? So it is time to play Canucks in a song. And Pear, here's what I'm thinking last night. It was a it was a test of resiliency for this team, right? Like these guys needed to step up. There were a lot of turnovers, some bad ones from some key veterans who've been called out. We've been saying on this show, wanted to see more out of the captain, Bo Horvat, who's under been underwhelming as of late. I would say that Nate Schmidt, want to see more out of Nate Schmidt. He stepped up. JT Miller, man, what's been wrong with Bizarro JT this season? Well, he stepped up with a much improved performance as well. And so what I'm looking at on the heels of a very tough clunker game with bad turnovers back on Monday night. I'm going a little Florence the Machine. The dog days are over. It's funny, whenever I play in Canucks in a song and try to pick my song after the game, I, you know, sometimes Brenda always you know looks at me. Well, what the hell are you doing, right? And then all of a sudden, that was one that she totally started dancing to in the middle of the living room at ten thirty at night. So obviously, that's a win in the Sabalski household this morning. Where are you going? Yes, exactly. Well, you know, uh, forty eight hours ago, I, I took a play on words and said, uh, you know, going to take a lot of love, meaning a lot of love. You needed them. You see the response that they got from that line after the Calgary Flames score to get a couple of goals. Yeah, man, one is nice, two is good. And you simply go, guess what? You need two big lines to be flying. And for the first time, it wasn't, hey, PD's line was good, and then the next line might have been a grinder line. No, your top two lines were good. So I went old school, beer in the hand, get on the dance floor, and crank up a little raw bass. It takes two. Oh, they're totally moving. Shake it up. I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass and I came to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone. You got it. Takes two, man. It takes two top lines to get it done. It takes two goals to put away the Calgary Flames after they score. It took two last night. They got it down. I saw them in concert. They did three songs. I was going to say, what did they play? They played. Hey, welcome, everybody. So yeah. so they did It Takes Two. Yeah. They did Joy and Pain, which was their other big hit. Classic. And, and then they closed it out with doing a cover of what was the biggest song in the world at the time was Black Street's No Diggity. And that was it. It was like waiting four hours. It was like Chris Shepard DJing all night and waiting for all these bands to get up. And then finally, all right, rock bass, DJ Easy Rock. One, two, three songs. Like, Good night, everybody. 15 minutes. Like, what the hell did just happen here? Um, okay, here's the 650. 650 is the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line. Justin is going with a little bang, bang, you're dead by Hannah Georges. You know, that's a nice little payback last night on Jacob Markstrom, right? Flies the coop, goes to Calgary, and, you know, the old one, the one ugly trend that you saw here in Vancouver that Jacob Markstrom got rid of the ugly early goals, but he did run out of gas from time to time. And uh, much to the benefit of the Canucks last night, the Canucks take advantage from that. It's the first time they've played against an opponent where they can kind of look at you. can't do it to Montreal with Tyler Toffoli. 
And when the Calgary Flames are losing by that much, you don't talk about Chris Tanev because that's not what he's there for, right? So, yeah, they leave Calgary feeling, hey, nice to see you guys. We'll, we'll do it again for sure. East Van Tommy with a little Queen classic from Her Majesty, Put Out the Fire. You know, Pear, look, it's one game, but for a team that had been trending in the direction of having lost seven of their last eight games, now you kind of look at the, the narrative where they picked up points in three straight and have won two of the last three. Yeah, and, and as I said, I, I don't look at the standings because they are uh, they dug such a massive hole. But what you do, do I, and I was surprised at last night's performance, you've got some belief, and you know they have some belief when Winnipeg rolls into town. That, all right, we might be able to pull this off. Uh, you lose the game, and we're back to everyone going, man, you're not getting out of this. But inside that room and the way they played, that's their best effort. So you've got that going into a Winnipeg series, and you got to hope that maybe that does put out the fire. Hope, buddy. Hope. That's all yeah. every fan base asks for. You just want to have a belief in your team. And, you know, hey, look, whether you buy into it or not, they've at least given themselves a puncher's chance to try to get up and take a standing eight count here, but they got to continue this. It's a long road ahead, but they've now strung a little bit of a run here. Uh, okay, before we uh, – it's 25 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Thursday morning. i got to get to Greg Ballack's way, way, way better half. Katie messaged me last night, and she said, I got a good song. I got a great Canucks in a song. Just you wait. And she has sent it. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It's a little Miley Cyrus wrecking ball. I came in like a wrecking ball. I never hit so hard in love. All I wanted was to break your walls. Jacob Markstrom certainly felt like he ran into a wrecking ball last night as it all played out. Hey, 26 minutes after 6 o'clock, keep those submissions in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. We'll continue to hit the music. Jake for 10, and man, the return for a possible trade involving shotgun Drake doesn't seem promising in the eyes of one Sportsnet hockey insider. And in a moment, the end is near for a couple of icons. We'll get to that story next, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Little Jay and Ladysmith on the Dunbar Lumber text line telling everyone to celebrate after last night. Feel good, do it, Jay, if you want. Just don't look at the standings, my friend. Just don't look at the standings. There's a long ways to go. 632, Perry Sokowski, James Sabalski with the start on the home of the Vancouver Canucks. Sports at 650. Uh, Sebo, I want to play a clip that the boys at Reach Deep had because I know everything was good, but there is also the reality of when things are tough with this team. Take a listen to what Sports at Chris Johnson had to say about people poking around once again and what the Canucks could get in return if one Jake Vertanen is eventually moved. Well, it takes some teams out of it or, or makes those those deals with, with, you know, the teams right up against the cap a little more complicated because, you know, they're either going to ask Vancouver to retain some of that salary or, or, you know, require them maybe to take back a contract that gets things a little bit more even just, just to make the dollars work, you know, but that doesn't account for every team in the league. I mean, there's, there's even some good teams, you know, uh, you know, I'm just thinking of Carolina cause they made the deal the other day, but they're nowhere near the cap ceiling. And, and they're a team that, you know, obviously is, is, 
you know, trying to win now. And so, you know, I think that, that what the contract does and, and, you know, this, this is hardly unique to Jake's situation, but, you know, it does, does add a wrinkle when depending on which teams are engaging with you. And, and, you know, I, I would think that, you know, part of what Vancouver would try to accommodate or be accomplished rather with, with a potential Vertanen trade is, is maybe freeing up some cap space. And so, you know, you're, you're dealing with a more limited field if that's, if that's the way you end up going. Man, they signed him to the ticket, James, and now you look at could he be a salary dump? And, and this is what, and this is what drives this market nuts, right? Like you have a player you you essentially started the postseason with as a healthy scratch, was essentially underwhelming in the postseason. You let a guy who was a point of game player as a rental walk because you didn't want to commit to him. But you re-upped Jake Vertanen to two years, and what has he done this year? He's got one freaking point in 15 games. What sort of value are you looking at? And what CJ's suggesting is this might effectively be a salary dump for the Vancouver Canucks at this point, right? I mean, talk about a misread. You know, Jim Benning's had some bumps on the road as a manager, right? Like, there's been some wins. You know, there's the Pedersen, there's the Hughes, there's the Miller deal. But my goodness, you know, how many times, how much thought was there that he was going to, you know, get a fresh start on life? You know, he's going to be motivated. He got called out by his GM in the offseason, and you still gave him a two-year extension. And now at $2.5 million, it looks like a bloated contract for a guy like that. This is so frustrating, this saga, after seven years. We have said before on this radio station, uh, you know, when Jake gets on that role, and inevitably I think he'll find that again. Well, he'll play two or three really good games. We go move him, like move him now. I think the franchise is there. Like the one thing winning masks is if you're in the lineup, you're playing. You know, we didn't talk a whole lot about Jake for 10. As I said, he played like a minute less than Brock Besser yesterday. But was he noticeable? No. But did you need him? No. If and when he does start to chip in, I just think Jim Benny's going to just keep on rolling, keep on rolling. Not for it. Like, finally, there's Jake. We've waited for years for Jake, and now he's in a groove. I honestly think they're going, okay, Jake's in a roll. Phone everybody. Who wants him? I think they just go, okay, we're not going to get, we're not gonna get converted to, oh, now you're finally through. I think they're done with it. Play well, move him, see what we can get in return. Oh, just just so frustrating for a guy who was flirting with 20 goals last year and, you know, that ship has sailed and now it's you're never going to recoup. And, I mean, look, you're never going to get value back for a guy you invested, you know, a sixth overall draft pick with. But there we go with Jake Bertan and the saga continues. All right, 636, let's get into today's edition of Seaball Says. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Well, the aura of invincibility surrounding the most dominant tennis player in WTA history seems to be gone. 39-year-old Serena Williams was dominated in two quick sets by Naomi Osaka in the semis of the Aussie Open, and afterwards, there was a thought that as she was cheered off the crowd by the crowd, it might be her final appearance in Melbourne. Serena was pretty emotional speaking to the media when asked about it too last night. It's been four years since Williams last won a Grand Slam title, and that was the Australian Open back in 2017. She's been to the finals in four other events since, but her once invincible aura seems to have faded. 
time seems to have finally caught up to the GOAT, right? And it seems as though it might be nearing for a hometown talent, a hometown icon, Canada's GOAT in soccer. Because as Canada opens the She Believes tournament in Orlando against the defending world champion Americans later on today, there's one very familiar name missing on the pitch, and that's Christine Sinclair. The 37-year-old Burnaby native is sidelined with an injury and isn't taking part, and while she'll likely be there this summer for the Tokyo Olympics, if there is one, I should preface, these moments involving Sink are hitting a finish line, and the coach of the women's national team, Bev Priestman, knows it. I think, you know, we have to prepare for life without Christine Sinclair, whenever that is. Um, I do know, like, you know, speaking to Sink, she was devastated not to be here. She's hungrier than ever. Um, but again, what a great opportunity for, you know, leadership to step up within the group um, to find more goal scorers for Canada. But you can't underestimate what having what not having Christine in the group does. It's sometimes hard to digest the idea of heroes and stars getting old. We kind of get used to some fixtures. I'll give you an example. For me personally, Harrison Ford is working on another Indiana Jones movie. But you know what? He's going to be 80 when that movie comes out next year. Tom Brady has defied Father Time, claiming another Super Bowl earlier this month. But for every TB12, there's a Drew Brees, Vince Carter, and Eli Manning. Who remembers Ken Griffey Jr. and his second tour with the Mariners? Or how about Shaquille O'Neal as a Boston Celtic at the end? Age can be cruel. Roger Federer turns 40 later on this summer, and while he's planning on coming back soon from a knee injury that's forced him to miss the last 14 months, it's not unreasonable to say that his best days are behind him. Sidney Crosby, he's only 33, but 16 years after breaking into the NHL, it seems as though the Penguins are headed towards a rebuild, and it looks like Sid, who's not a kid anymore, can't quite carry a team like he once did. We saw it here with Daniel Henrik Sedin just a few years ago although they had the perfect way to say goodbye. Daniel. Henrik. Back for Daniel. Let's it go. He scores! LeBron James and Cristiano Ronaldo, they're both 36 and still dominant forces. Ronaldo may not be what he once was, but he's still a threat and sells a lot of jerseys. LeBron, meanwhile, is still the guy that I'm probably picking first if the Monstars invade planet Earth and are searching for a game. You heard of the Dream Team? Well, we're the mean team, Wussy Man. Wussy Man. Wussy Man? Uh, we're the Monstars. Point is this. These are all fixtures in our household. And for Brady, Serena, and Sinclair, they've been doing it all century. But for how much longer it remains to be seen. It's been 21 years since Sinclair made her senior debut, and she's been Canada's captain since 2007. That's 14 years here in 2021. Cherish the moments now because they may not be around for much longer. And as boys to men always like to say, It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Last call, not that far away. And that's this morning, Seaball says. Uh, if, if uh, James, I think we were probably in the same boat last night. You're watching the Canucks game, and when they went to commercial break, I would flip over to tennis to watch Serena play Naomi Osaka, and, you know, you hear Chris Everett. And, and the fact is the intimidation factor that Serena Williams had, and she is in the conversation as the greatest tennis player of all time, as I'm reminded by so many people. And I love our Fed. And you go, no, 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 
the best tennis player, and Serena is there. The intimidation factor is gone. She cannot out-hit Naomi Osaka. She finished that match, and people thought this might be it. She's in the best shape ever. This might be the chance that she could knock her off. She wasn't even close after breaking the first game. And afterwards, post-game, she was asked, do you think this is it? She says, I won't say goodbye. She does not want a farewell tour. She answered that question and then came to tears and just got up and left. She's a mom now. I think she's wanted to win being a mom, and it's hard for them to go. It's what made Tiger Woods at the Masters go, wow, I can't believe he's getting to live this moment again. Tom Brady winning wouldn't have been great to walk off the stage, but he's so good thinking he can do it one more time. And for Christine Sinclair, what's going to be really sad is the environment we're in right now. I think she looked at this Olympics as the farewell. And in preparation for the Olympics, I promise you, Team Canada would have thought, let's bring that women's national team here to Vancouver and have one more game. And for all intents and purposes, it would have been a goodbye game for Christine Sinclair. Maybe they get that next year if she hangs on. But it's tough to leave, and we're seeing with some dominant athletes, as you said, for the last 21 years in this century. 642, uh, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada will drop on by coming up just after 7 o'clock. And in the meantime... Can we go for a beer at a corner store pair? Is this really happening? Oh, man, it's unbelievable what could be happening. And also, Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, you take advice from your GM because you'd love to have the career of Joe Sackick. But he wants to repeat something Joe did on Thursday in a big way for McKinnon. We'll explain exactly what that is. It's one in a million. It's no BS. Just PS ahead on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. Sports at 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just PS. With Perry Solkowski. Lots going on on this Thursday morning in the uh, BS PS column. PS, everybody. You know, we talked a lot about the Canucks, their suit game, and then they go to the casual dress, and it works for them on the weekend. You got to know, athletes can be fashionistas. Is there a bigger fashion victim than Cam Newton? Man, the guy just loves, in fact, was getting ripped apart after how he was dressing when the team was losing. Has his own handmade hat company. But also said, James, this week, he's probably got over a million dollars worth of clothes that he's only worn once. And so his New Year's resolution, he's going to be a thrift store shopper, man. Just looking at the tags. He's going old school. None of this money on clothes he's only wearing once. You know, Perry, as, as two former TV guys, we could certainly appreciate having lots of leftover clothes from the, from the old TV wardrobe budgets back in the day, right? Yeah, Texas at 650-650 if you need a suit. It was criminal what we had to wear, and you have to be, you know, I don't know about you, man, but the number of times I did shows in a pair of shorts and soccer cleats on to get to the practice, yeah, from the top up. Hey, P.S., they didn't play yesterday, but the Minnesota Wild picked up a win. Batted down and intercepted. Intercepted by J.J. Watt. So J.J. Watt tweets out, man, NFL free agency is wild. Minutes later, the social media account of the Minnesota Wild have J.J. Watt in a wild uniform and say, man, you admitted it was your first love. Welcome to the team. Nice play on their part. J.J. Watt grew up in Wisconsin and said until he was 11 or 12, hockey was his first love. 
Looks like maybe he could actually put on the shoulder pads to play football. Possibly the Cleveland Browns are rumored that's flying around. Oh, could you imagine Miles Garrett and J.J. Watt together? Oh. A healthy to J.J. Watt. Yeah. Fun to cheer for Cleveland if that's the case. P.S. You can't argue Nathan McKinnon has the touch around the net. Nathan McKinnon with a shot. He scores! The beat goes on for Nathan McKinnon. We're tied. Kid's a stud, good around the net, but how about with an eight iron in his hand as part of the NHL weekend coming up in Lake Tahoe? It's a $1 million hole-in-one challenge. It's presented by Bridgestone. He's going to go to the par 3 17th hole at the Edwards Tahoe Golf Course. Now, we know he can go talk to Joe Sackick about all the hockey skills, but can he talk to Joe about golf? Damn straight. Joe Sackick with an eight iron here at the par three. Uh oh. Yep. No. Yep. Come on. Yes. Oh! A million dollars. I just love that. If you forgot, Joe Sackick on the exact same hole that Nathan McKinnon will play, jarred for the ace, jarred for a million dollars, and trust me, the first ten seconds after that hole in one, it was typical Joe Sackick absolutely zero reaction and whether it took him a while to figure out what had gone on then he starts high-fiving or at least playing it up for the camera Sackick's advice was to Nathan McKinnon hey kid like if you're gonna do it do it with the cameras on as he did and, and it's funny because Sackick hated the cameras he was oh. he was just quoteless Joe was his nickname in Denver never wanted to do interviews I remember he was at the he, he had snuck into the All Star the Major League Baseball All Star game twenty years ago when it was at uh, the old Safeco now T Mobile. He was in Seattle and somebody got him a credential and he was a, an Associated Press photographer. He was just kind of floating around on the on the dime and just taking it all in. And I said, hey, it's there. I saw him and I said, hey, they just won the Stanley Cup too, right? And I said, hey, come grab me for a quick interview. He's like. But I'm not talking hockey. I'm not talking. I'm like, well, dude, you're a hockey player. <laughs> yeah, it was like the worst guy to get a hole in one. Oh, my oh goodness. My the cameras God. were on me. It was almost like, Joe, celebrate, please. Joe, celebrate. Okay, he does it. And P.S., uh, in Ontario at least, they might be putting something else in their Slurpees. I'm just on my way to the studio, but first going to stop in the neighborhood for coffee. I can't believe you go to 7-Eleven for coffee. I'll bring you a cup sometime. It's actually really good. You'd be surprised. I can't believe you go to 7-Eleven for tequila shots. Oh, it's really good. 7-Elevens in Ontario are asking if they can sell liquor now. But the trick is, James, the liquor needs to be consumed on the property. Like, I love the idea of go to 7-Eleven, buy a can of beer, go buy some wine just like you can in the States. But no, what they're asking is the rule would be they would have to consume it at 7-Eleven. So you're calling your buddy, hey, man, it's 3 o'clock. Let's meet for some tequila. I'll meet you at 7-Eleven. Like, who's doing that? Well, it, it, it's 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 clearly a cry for help. If you are that desperate to have a drink in in the uh, in the atmosphere of a Seven Eleven, right? Yeah, it's one thing. It's one thing to take one to go. It's another thing to say, you know, I really need a drink. I don't have time to sit in a pub, but I'm going to hammer one down right next to the Slurpee machine. Yeah, you got five minutes. Let's go have a beer. Oh, right by the candy. I just I, I just sit by the O Henry bars and yeah. we'll shoot it back real quick. I gotta watch those hot dogs roll on that roller, uh, no. that, that warmer roller. Trust me, I was that guy at two in the morning. Yes. Who, if they offered me a beer, it'd be like it's where are you going after hours? Going to Seven Eleven, man. But after the party continues, that's what's gonna take place if it goes yep. through. It's the new cold Not tea. 
<laughs> no BS, everybody. Just a whole bunch of PS on this Thursday morning. Hey, Canucks back to on the winning track last night. A dominant 5-1 win over Jacob Markstrom and the Calgary Flames. We'll get into much more what went down on the ice last night. David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada will also weigh in with his thoughts as well. And don't forget, get those submissions in. There's been a ton of them pouring in through the first hour already at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Your Canucks in a song. We'll hit the music in the 7 o'clock hour much, much more right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. And here come the Canucks the other way in numbers. Besser across the line. In on goal, he scores! Brock Besser goes high on the glove side of Markstrom, and the lotto line has come to play tonight. These guys are here to break it all down. I think we need to win a game. I think uh, we've put ourselves in a position where all that stuff doesn't matter. we got to prepare every game in order to win, um, give us a, a chance, moving forward to in the playoff race. There's no vaccine for these guys. I'm going back to bed. See you guys. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. 7 o'clock. What's happening, boys and girls? Hour number two of this Thursday edition of the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. He's Perry Selkowski. I'm James Sabolski, and it was a win last night for the Vancouver Canucks as they've now taken two of the last three and points in three straight before they open up a two-game set at home against the Winnipeg Jets. And, Perry, I'll tell you what, man, the importance of leadership. Uh, a lot of the Canucks leaders uh, stepping up last night with big-time performances, delivering with some goals uh, in a 5-1 victory as they chase Jacob Markstrom from the game. And, and to me the guy who might be the catalyst in trying to turn this team around might be the offseason goaltending acquisition of Braden Holpe, where you go back almost two weeks ago now, that stare down, the little jawing back and forth with JT Miller. I think when you're starting to connect the dots and look at where this team is, I think an uncomfortable conversation needed to be had because this team has played much, much better ever since that moment. It's a fair point. Um, you know, you don't want to talk at a hockey team or a sports team as is, is unsure of their identity. But I think what most people would have agreed on is they lost a lot of character and some identity over the offseason. And and they saw it right in front of their faces in Montreal and, and with Tanif and Markstrom before this series even started, right? Because that blowout was in Toronto. And you're trying to figure out who is Brayden Holpe. You know, we lean early on. He's he's a guy who tried to get the tortoises over the border, made a mistake with his mask, and everybody who talks goes, great guy, great guy. Then doesn't play great hockey, but showed, you know, there's a quiet leader. We were talking about Joe Sackick. Sackick, if he ever blew up, you, you'd go, what, what's happening there? For Holpe to blow up like he did to J.T. Miller probably caused some uncomfortable conversations and, and put people into situations. I think J.T. Miller yesterday, you know, going down low, as you had said on the power play, maybe move it up. Brock's been playing so well. Give him that opportunity for the one-timer. Put JT Miller back down below. Let him be the grinder. Don't worry about the soft hands. Don't get those manicured hands. Put on some work some work gloves and get it going, and he does. He scores that way. But I do believe that conversation probably settled it. I will tell people this, and as we play Canucks in the song, please keep the submissions coming in. And everybody's in a great mood. It's kind of like your, your, your portfolios, your investments. It's the summertime. Don't look at them because you know they're not great. If you're caught up in the excitement of this team playing and playing well, don't look at the standings. There's still so much to go, but the process has been talked about. And, yeah, the last four games have been good, 
I don't know if I'm a believer yet, but right in front of me, the Winnipeg Jets keep it rolling, and I think the Canucks are back in the fight for the long run. Here's Nate Schmidt uh, after the game last night. Schmidt with a big goal uh, to close out the second period, but certainly raved about his former Washington goaltender and current teammate, Braden Holpe. That was just classic Braden tonight. You know, he was he was out there. He's laughing. He's having a good time, you know, <laughs> kicking the puck around, you know, even all the way down to the end. But, you know, in all seriousness, you know, made a couple of really big saves, like you said, when the game was tight. And, you know, the type of mentality that even when it's 5-1, had a couple of really great saves in the third period to, to preserve a lead and, and uh, you know, not make it a close one, you know, with about five, six minutes left. Um, it was incredibly important uh, for our group to know that, uh, you know, we got a guy back there that can go out and, and give you a game like that when you need it. I mean, that's that gives uh, gives your group a lot of confidence to go out and win a game. Our Sportsnet 650 goal uh, analyst, Corey Hirsch, you know, he's won an Olympic medal. Um been a goalie coach in in the National Hockey League as well as in addition to playing goaltender as a, as an NHLer but you know he made an excellent point on the post game show with Brendan Batchelor and Sat Shaw last night here on Sportsnet 650 pair and that's the fact that Braden Holpe established early in the game that he was he was confident out there you know he stepped up early made a couple of saves early in the game, and it was just kind of one of those, there's a body language. There's an approach to sometimes you just kind of get a feel for how many times you watched a game, and it doesn't take a lot of saves, and you go, man, this guy looks dialed in tonight. And it didn't take a lot to recognize that Braden Holpe was exactly that last night. Well, and the timing. Um, Quinn Hughes, I think it's 2-1 or 3-1. Quinn Hughes in the offensive zone, back to the play, decides to chip it out on his backhand. Uh, to the middle of the ice, and it's gone. Uh, man advantage, rush for the Calgary Flames. Hope he makes that save. It would have seemed in the last month when you make the mistake like that, you weren't getting the save. He did. They were timely. And I think you have to learn as a team in front of him. Okay, what's he going to do with the puck? And and maybe we didn't put a lot into the learning process. And, and the Canucks, as Travis Green said, just figured you might be able to show up and say, oh, by the way, we, did you see us in the bubble? We're just as good. And they realize they're not. And last night was the first time that it wasn't one of the top lines going with somebody else. It was both of them. And they feel when those six go, they can play. And they were. And to have that goaltending, just to be really good, uh, listen, they have to be as confident as they ever jump on that plane coming home. But now you see what it is. There's no, as Travis Green had said, yeah, there's not a lot of easy nights. No, there's no easy nights. Now you got the Jets. See what you can do against the Jets. And right now in Calgary, they're trying to figure out who they are because, James, as you said, Jacob Markstrom looked average, and that team has been average except for the goalie over the past month. Well, Jacob Markstrom looked tired, which which happened here in, in Vancouver, right? We saw that uh, a few times last year as well. When you, when you overuse Jacob Markstrom, and, hey, I get it. I'm, it's hard not to as a Calgary Flame, right? Hey, look, the guy's been your, your best player. He's been your MVP so far this season and you're paying him all this money to be your guy in goal and to be that calming influence. He's lived up to every penny so far, but Jacob Markstrom gets tired. He needs rest. Even when he doesn't want to admit it, he needs rest. And look at him last year where he broke down at critical points for the team, for the Canucks last year, right? Broke down right in the middle of a playoff race last February. He broke down about this time a year ago, right? And he was going to be sidelined for a month before COVID shut things down. And then he got hurt again in the playoffs, trying to use him every other night with the schedule. Here was Jacob Markstrom going every other night in the, you know, essentially in this four game series. And by the time you got to game number four, he was tired. 
I, I but Pear, I'm curious about like how the Flames. If this is Jacob Markstrom's mo, and you got to be, and you got to be smart, and you know Dave Riddick will probably get a start here as they go back to back against the Oilers here in the next couple days, but I wonder this: if you get into the playoffs, and the schedule typically in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs is every other night, right? When you're playing games, like how is that going to work for Jacob Markstrom? Where I don't know if Jacob Markstrom is the guy to be able to go. Like based on history, he breaks down. Like, they might have to legitimately look during the playoffs and say, you know what, we're going to have to be mindful here and get Big Save Dave a game in here or a start during the playoffs to make sure that their guy gets some rest and he doesn't break down like we saw here. It's tough to talk about situations when we're, you know, we can base on the reality that this league has been going on for five weeks. But before the puck dropped, I think most thought that when you look at a goaltending situation, you're quite comfortable with what the Vancouver Canucks have against anybody in the Canadian division. Mike Smith played for the Oilers last night, played well. He's finally back. They had to run with Toskinen. And, they, you know, the Oilers are going to beat you because they can outscore you. But their goaltending situation isn't great. In Montreal, the Jake Allen move was great. Carey Price going to enjoy the benefits of having nights off. And Jake Allen has played well for them. In Toronto, it's Anderson. In Vancouver, that will be their luck because Winnipeg's got a Hullerbuck. And, and, and Hullerbuck's going to be the guy that's going to have to carry him. So, you're right. You, you know, I think we were quite comfortable with how Thatcher Demko played. But to have Braden Holtby play that way, that may be a comfort zone for the Vancouver Canucks to have as they keep on going. Um, the problem with the Canucks is, and as good as the hockey has been, and people are now texting in, glass half full, playoffs. You know, they've got so much work to do with four games still in hand for a Calgary and a Winnipeg. But they've played a, a week of really good hockey. They needed to have more points from this week, but it does give you hope that they have found their game. And if their game is like most anticipate, there's still enough hockey left for them that they could find a postseason position. David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada joins us here bright and early this morning. And David, you won't believe it, but the sun's been out the last couple of games and the Canucks have now won two or three. It's sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops. Finally, we put we put all the torches down. We've we've put all the the, the knives and the swords down. We're breathing here now. Yeah, well, listen. Don't, I don't want to hear about sunshine because let's talk about the elephant in the room. I, while I'm spending half an hour digging myself out of Arctic-like weather, like most of Canada, you guys are surfing in Tofino, having a good time. I I, I don't like the the visual when you say sunshine. We haven't seen sunshine here in a long time, so, buddy. It was ten here weather. yesterday. It was beautiful here yesterday. Oh God! We well, all make choices in life, David. We all make choices <laughs> yeah. in life. Yeah. You chose Hockey Night in Canada. <laughs> we chose Sportsnet 650 and plus 10 in February. Okay? That's how it works. <laughs> hey, man, it's a good trade-off for you guys right now, that's for sure. Uh, listen, <laughs> listen. And, and the sun is shining on the Canucks. And you know what? I don't want to overstate this, but I wasn't sure how it was going to play out when, um, you know, the owner gave that vote of confidence to management and the players. This is the group we're proceeding forward with. You know, it was announced last Saturday. Um, you know, on Twitter, and we had it in our headlines with Elliot Friedman and Chris Johnston. And, you know, maybe that was a little bit of the reset button that the team needed, right, guys? Like, they maybe that kind of, they exhaled. And, because it was, I mean, they were getting bludgeoned, right? I mean, they were on that horrible six-game losing streak. We saw them come into Toronto and get embarrassed two out of three games. They were embarrassed in Montreal. I mean, it was, it was somewhat shocking. And maybe they were able to exhale, take a deep breath, and sort of say, okay, Look, look around this room. There's a lot of talent here. And since then, they've been 2-0-1. They've played much better. They've been competitive. And they look a lot more like that Canucks team that, you know, had that great playoff run last year. So 
I, they're not out of the woods. I mean, the math doesn't work for them, right? They play 20 games, which is far more than anyone, and they have a big hole to dig out of. But if they keep playing the way they're playing, they're still very much in this race. And, David, you know, when we talked last year, and you can see on Hockey Night in Canada when you're on, it almost seems like you were, like a lot of people in Canada, you were falling for this Canucks team. Like, everything they had, were you shocked? We're break down every shift here. From a distance, we're just going, what is going on here? How did they lose the plot so quickly? Yeah, I mean, I didn't completely give up on the team, but I was really surprised at how poorly they came out of the gates. And I guess my biggest surprise was I knew they were going to miss Jacob Markstrom, but I also understood why Jim Benning, you know, allowed him to leave and felt they did pretty well in bringing in Braden Holtby, especially based on how Demko looked in that very small sample size in the bubble. I was surprised, and I'm not putting this all on the goaltending because the the the, the, the you know, defensive breakdowns were numerous uh, with this Vancouver team, but they weren't getting those timely saves. And let's face facts. We heard this in the broadcast last night. Kelly Rudy pointed it out. Rick Ball pointed it out. Braden Holpe made three or four very big saves early on in that game that, you know, three weeks ago, Holpe and Demko wouldn't have made those saves. And you guys might've been staring down a two, one or a three, one deficit instead of being up one, nothing. So, uh, you know, it all starts with goaltending giving the confidence to the team to, to play a little looser and, and take a, a few more liberties. You know, Jordy Ben jumping in on the rush last night. I mean, those sorts of situations. Uh, you know, we saw Nate Schmidt standing, what, eight feet from, from the other team's goal when he scored his goal too. So I think it all stems from that, guys. I was surprised at how poorly they came out of the gates. I, I picked Vancouver to make the playoffs. I'll stand by that. Uh, they have some work to do. But if they play the way they did last night, then they'll very well be in contention as this thing gets going down the stretch. Well, yeah, I, I like how you're sticking your prediction here, Dave. And, and you look on the flip side, you look at the Flames. Jeff Ward kind of called his team out last night and suggested mm. like the given meter needs to be higher for the Calgary Flames. And yeah. you look at the Flames this season, Markstrom's. It, it really feels like after watching these four games, Markstrom's masked a lot of deficiencies for this team so far this season that has kind of been stuck in a malaise, but you've had a goaltender who's bailed them out. But how do you view the Calgary Flames in terms of what you've seen? They're an enigma, guys. I, yeah. I, it's the same thing we've said, at least the same thing I've said about them for the last few years. I love the individual parts, but the, mm-hmm. the, the, the compound of the parts doesn't add up to the individuals there. Uh, you know, I just, I, I'm, what is the identity of this Flames team? I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, who are they, right? When you look at other teams, you kind of know how they play you, what they do. The Flames, I'm still unsure of. They have great individual players, but something just doesn't seem to be collectively working. And, you know, Brad Trey Living's probably going, what the hell do I have to do? I mean, he brought in, the marquee goalie on the market in Jacob Markstrom. He brought in one of the best, you know, I don't know if you'd call Tanev a shutdown defenseman, but you certainly would say he's a guy who just, he's a glue guy. Guys play better with him. He does all those little dirty things that you need done for every playoff winning team as a Chris Tanev. You know, he went out and he did the things needed to be done. And maybe the question mark, and we had this when they got eliminated last year and, and the year before when they were the top seed in the West when they got eliminated by Colorado. We had this question, is this the year they break up Goodrow? Do they do something with Monaghan? What are they going to do? And, you know, maybe, you know, this is sort of, to me, would be sort of a last run 
for this collective group of forwards. And again, they're great individual parts and they'd be very marketable, but something collectively just isn't there. So I'm waiting for something to happen and whether it's the Sam Bennett, you know, trade demand or something else to happen, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for something to happen because they're underperforming right now and it's hit and miss. They look great one night and then they look, you know, absolutely uh, unenthusiastic for lack of a better word the next night. So I'm, I'm a bit confused with this Flames team right now. David, I think everyone thought Brad Living addressed the problem, um, but I don't know if that's the problem. And that seems like that's what's going on is maybe those guys just don't mesh together, right? Yeah, and that's and that's what I'm getting at. I, I just the chemistry just doesn't seem to be. It just doesn't seem to be there for some reason. And, and I and I don't know. And this this really is a make or break. Maybe because the spotlight is so intense on all seven of these Canadian markets. These, you know, one on one every night, all Canadian battles. Um, I mean, our numbers are through the roof, thankfully, because we have a captive audience during this pandemic, and people are loving the fact that every night it's two Canadian markets going head to head. But there's an intense scrutiny being felt, I think, by the coaches, the GMs, and even maybe the players understanding um, the amount of eyeballs and attention they're getting from the media and the fans. And, you know, again, if you're Brad Trey Living, you, you feel like I've put together, I've assembled a team to have success. And right now, uh, they're a 500 team, essentially. And this isn't good enough. Right now, if the playoffs were to start today, the Calgary Flames wouldn't be in the playoffs. And I, I realize we're very early in the season. But you know, that's not what the expectation was. The expectation was Calgary would be right there with Toronto and Montreal fighting for first place in this division. And as it stands right now, they don't look to be in the same, you know, league, uh, elite teams in the league uh, stratosphere with those two. So I'm interested to see you guys, but there's, there does seem to be a chemistry issue there. And I, I, like you, I can't put my finger on it. They're definitely an enigma so far. There's there's individual pieces like Rasmus Anderson I like Mangiapane mm-hmm. I absolutely love what I've seen uh, from him uh, you know every time you watch him he's noticeable Goudreau's obviously having a big bounce back season but for whatever reason you know even Milan Lucic has kind of turned back the clock and, and has found a nice fit so far in Calgary this season but it just collectively it just doesn't seem to click um, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada with us here on Sportsnet 650 where you look at where one team is starting to click as a team. The Leafs beat the Senators last night 2-1, but is are we are we at a point where we can start looking at Ottawa and saying, I think this team is starting to kind of finally gel. Like, they were kind of the island of misfit toys with all the kids and the prospects, and they brought in all the veterans. But, you know, they got their A-double crooked letters handed to them an awful lot in that first <laughs> month. But, Dave, like, you look at the last few weeks, I mean, you know, they had one two straight. They lose a one-goal game against the Leafs. Like, it wasn't just fool's gold that come from behind win on Monday night. But, you know, you look at the games against the Habs at the beginning of the month. Everything's been outside of one result in the last three weeks. Everything's essentially been a one-goal game for the Ottawa Senators now. I, I didn't think DJ Smith was going to survive the season, but, man, he's got this <laughs> team kind of buying in now. Well, listen, I, I, again, I don't want to simplify it, but the Ottawa Senators couldn't get a save in yeah. the first three weeks. They, they were out of games in the first five minutes uh, between Hogberg and Matt Murray. And Matt Murray seemingly has pressed the reset button, maybe in the same sense that Braden Holpe had that great bounce back last night and Demko's been much better of late. Uh, I mean, they couldn't get a save. It was, uh, their save percentage was like 880 or something like that. You're not going to win a lot of games with an 880 save percentage. Um, and that's not to put it all on them, but it was, it was an unmitigated disaster from the net out. So, 
Uh, I think they've, at least if nothing else, found their legs. Uh, Tim Stutzla, by the way, guys, I don't know how much you've got a chance to see him. Mm-hmm. To me, when that 5-1 deficit to the Leafs, he was the best player on the ice that night on a night when you know Austin Matthews scored two goals and you have Mitch Marner and everyone else. I mean, he was just so smart, so good with the puck. He's going to be a superstar in this league, I think. Um, yeah, you know what? Listen, this is a rebuilding situation in Ottawa, but they have a great wealth of young, talented players. When you think of Shabbat, it, you know, if, if you have that triumvirate of uh, Shabbat, Kachuk, uh, and Stutzla, and, and then you throw in, you know, Batherson and Norris, and of course, um, you know, uh, who, did, who was the defenseman? Sanderson, they took it five overall. I mean, yep. they, they are, they're sitting in a nice position, but it's tough when, you know, you look at the Canadian markets and Toronto, they're thinking Stanley Cup. Montreal, they're now thinking Stanley Cup. Edmonton, when you have McDavid and Drysaddle, you always feel like you have that chance. You know, Winnipeg was in the West Final uh, just a few years ago. We, we've talked about Calgary and we know what Vancouver did last year. You have six teams who are thinking playoffs plus, right? They're thinking playoffs plus a journey through the playoffs. And then you have Ottawa, who clearly is in a completely different stage right now with, with, with their lineup. So, uh, it's going to be a tough season for them, but I do think there's brighter horizons. Uh, you know, there's going to be a good future for this team. And it feels like they've got their feet under them, which is the important thing. They're now looking like a, a competitive hockey team, and I don't think they're going to be an easy, you know, mail it in, you're going to get your two points. I do think they're going to fight tooth and nail down the, down the stretch here. Uh, David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, joining the starting lineup, James and Perry. Uh, David, listen, in, in Vancouver, you always hear a lot about the Leafs, and now we see them all the time, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, how much better is Austin Matthews? We wait for our superstars to get better, and maybe we assume Matthews had kind of peaked, but it seems after a, a summer training with McDavid, and maybe it's because we see it all the time. We've heard it no matter who's in a Leafs uniform. This guy just seems to be on a mission now. As And Joe Thorpe was talking about it last night. Let's just, like, I, I can't believe how good he is now that I'm with him right now. Is he that much more improved in your eyes from what we saw last year? Yeah, he's... Uh... He, he's first of all, peaks. He's only 23 years old. He, he's no close to his peaks. I mean, he's, you know, I, I don't want to overstate this, um, but he, this guy is just a magician uh, around the net. The release, um, his scoring ability, his sense of where to go to get open, and he has an elite playmaker. Uh, you know, like Ovechkin has Backstrom, he has Marner, and you know, Christy has Joe Thornton now on his line too, who's one of the all-time leaders in assists. So he has two guys who know how to get him the puck. But above and beyond that, guys, he came in this year, I think, 12 or 13 pounds lighter. This is a guy uh, I remember interviewing him before the World Cup, before he played an NHL game back in 2016 when he was on that North American team with McKinnon and McDavid, McDavid, and everyone. And he walked up, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy's 18. His shoulders were, you know, he looked like he was wearing shoulder pads, right? I said, how much do you weigh? He said, 216. I said, oh, my God. Like, he was a man, right, and a boy, a boy, but in a man's body. And he's now leaned down a little bit, and I think he's playing at around 215. He went all the way up to, I think, 226 last year, 227. And it's, it's suiting him well. And he just seems to be more dedicated to the defensive end. Joel Thornton went as far as to say this guy should be in conversation for the Selkie Award And yeah, that might sound like hyperbole uh, to some people around the NHL, but the point is he's certainly matured as a full player, uh, a guy, uh, you know, he's, he's skating hard at both ends of the ice. He's doing those little things that great players, the Crosby's do. Um, and it, it's showing. And just getting back to where we started this conversation, his score, his goal scoring guys, it's, it's next level. He's on pace for 50 goals. Um, listen, that sounds outrageous, 
uh, in a 56-game season, and right behind him is Besser. But it, it, honestly, it will not shock me if he scores 50 goals this year. It will not shock me um, because he's that good. And also, he's only playing six teams. And, you know, they're not the, the best other six defensive teams. So there's definitely some some benefits there. But he, he's sensational, guys. And, like, you have Pedersen there. Uh, you have Quinn Hughes there in your marketplace. To have a guy like Matthews and Marner you can see on a nightly basis is a real treat for us here in Toronto. Well, let me tell you something, Amber. Uh, it may be frosty in your neck of the world, but um, Jake in Port Moody says uh, you have to get Amber on as a regular morning guest. He is money. So you're bringing the fire from all that frosty weather on the other side of the country. Thanks for finding time uh, for us this morning. I appreciate it, man. Uh, enjoy, and we'll see you guys on uh, Saturday. Thank you. Looking forward Thanks, to Dave. it. There he is, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada, weighing in on the Canucks, on the Flames, on the Senators, and the Leafs. And uh, how about the, how about last night? Pair a, a friend of mine sent me this on social media uh, on the Sabers uh, Facebook page. They lost again, right? And and like this team's been reeling lately. There was somebody who had sent posted a message saying, I bought a cardboard cutout to honor my aunt who passed away. Can I come pick it up so she doesn't have to watch anymore? <laughs> <laughs> like, what a mess, man. Like, they've got, what, there's what, $33 million committed to Jeff Skinner, Kyle Oposo, Jack Eichel, and Taylor Hall. $33 million between four guys, and they've got three goals combined amongst the four of them this year. Yeah. Um, you know, Taylor Hall was interesting. I think they thought they had enough, but how often can you change coach? Can you change managers and you realize it's actually the guys you're putting on the ice and, and I'll go to Skinner that they handed out so much coin after he had kind of that outlier year. Really? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to tag him with that kind of cash after the one-off year. Listen, I hate to see Buffalo. We will always be related to Buffalo from 1970 and entering the league at the same time. Much easier to be a Vancouver Canuck fan than see how the tires are spinning in Buffalo right now. Look at the last. We suck again. Look at the last 20 years. Like, look at this century for that matter. Look where the Sabres are and look where the Canucks have been, right? Um, Like, the, the Sabres have effectively been rebuilding since 2008. And it's not like Jack Eichel hasn't turned into a good, like last year was kind of his breakthrough year. And then you figure you have pieces in place, but you know, we mentioned the Calgary flames. What is missing in that room? What's missing in Buffalo right now? It's not lack of talent, lack of try, lack of heart might be something that's getting them right now. Right. Uh, 26 minutes after seven o'clock, uh, the blue Jays, uh, stuck south of the border again. Uh, we'll get to that coming up later on this hour, but in a moment, 650, 650 is the Dunbar lumber text line. We're going DJ style. We're going to hit the music. We're going to hit your music. What song best sums up the Canucks performance last night. The submissions have been pouring in all morning. Let's do it. Canucks in a song next right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, if you're not into yoga, if you have half a brain, a lot of people. Suggesting this one this morning and also on Twitter as well, but on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 for your Canucks in a song. Escape! Rupert Holmes, 
This is a theme from last year, and yeah, feeling a little bit better. You know what? You definitely get a sense this morning from the fan base, and yes, it's always a different mindset when you win, but there definitely seems to be a little more optimism in the air here over the last week, Pair. The way that this team has been responding pretty much for the better part of the last five games now. Yes, they haven't won them all, but they are starting to trend in a better direction. Well, you know, it's funny. Chris Wallen, a sports guy, just casually says Canucks with the day off today. They'll take a Winnipeg tomorrow. Travis Green said it and kind of went down the road that everyone knew was a part of their issues to start as they struggled. He said, listen, our schedule's been brutal. You know, that's not the reason we've lost it. We've lost when we've lost. But let's make no mistake, with, with limited practice time and no days off, it was difficult. And it's enhanced when you're struggling. Like, sometimes you just need to escape and they were unable to, but they've played some good hockey for the last week. They haven't been able to make up the ground, they would hope. But, you know, the great thing about this division, as tough as it is, you're playing everybody you're chasing, essentially, right? Okay, so now Winnipeg's coming. They've got four games in hand. Well, make them pay. Let them have four games in hand, but you're up by a couple points. But we'll just see if they're good enough to do it. Hey, I wanted to get to our Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question because I think it's a good one and it's really split. We wanted to ask you, what, what impresses you more about the Vancouver Canucks? And, yeah, no, we're not talking team standings, but we're talking about individual play. The fact that Brock Besser is second right now in the NHL in goals, the fact that Quinn Hughes leads defensemen in points, or the fact that Niels Hoaglander continues to be so impressive. Great great pickup at his own blue line that set up that first goal. Back check on his part. He's second in rookie points. What impresses you more? Right now, James, 48% of the people are shocked that Brock Besser is tied for second in NHL goals. 35% are amazed that, once again, when you talk about top rookies in the league, a Vancouver Canuck is in the conversation with Hoaglander. And 17% figured, you know what, Hughes, points, defenseman, yeah, I figured he'd continue on that trend. I agree. I thought Brock Besser uh, was going to be better. Thought he learned to be a better player, but boy, oh boy, does he got confidence with the puck on his stick now. You know, I've been I've been asking this question for probably the last two years. Who's Brock Besser, right? Ever since the yeah. back injury going back uh, during his rookie campaign that forced him to miss the last quarter of the season, it's been a different Brock Besser. And uh, you know what? He seems to have kind of turned back the clock. I think he's leaner. It no, he he seems to have a little more jump out there. But the release, man, like that is the most noticeable thing about Brock Besser. He was the MVP of the All-Star game three years ago, and it was because of that release. And that release seems to be back. And I was saying this a couple nights ago. Why is he playing the front of the net when that release is back? Why is he in that bumper roll? That guy should be in a shooting position. And he's thriving right now. Like that shot last night, it was like, good night, Jacob Markstrom. We are done with you. You are the weakest link. Bye-bye. Right? The way he fired that puck. Oh, little cheddar. I also think Brock Besser is learning how to be a leader too, right? When you remove characters from the dressing room, other guys slowly need to step up. I think when he starts playing this way, I think last year when there were times when he was searching for a line to be on because he just wasn't scoring, he said it was tough on him, but it makes you better. And I do think he's slowly realizing that, you know, Petey's younger, I got him under my wing, and, and Hughes is back there, Ole Levy's around here more, that I can do a little bit more. Show it with your play. But he's also gone, you know what, hey, but I'll, I'll grab the rope too. I, I can help with leadership, and JT's there. And he becomes more of a leader and more of this leadership group as he goes forward, and that helps with the confidence and how he's playing. Ole Olevi over 18 minutes last night. Certainly, Pal, he uh, was good yesterday. Biggest hit of the game. 
You were on Besser last year, and you're on Olevi. You've been on his case for two years. I'm on the train, man. I'm buying an Ole Olevi jersey for you eventually. He was good. <laughs> as long as it's free. As long as it's free, I'll take it. Um, all right, time to hit the music. Uh, Rager on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. He's going with the theme to the Jeffersons on the heels of last night's Canucks performance. No, sorry, it's not. Is it Curtis Mayfield? Oh, sorry, it's M People. Okay, I just saw the name of the song. So it's he's going with Moving On Up. You could have gone with the Jeffersons with that. You could have gone with Curtis Mayfield's move on up. But, yeah, a little bounce in your step on a Thursday morning. That's how the Canucks got to be feeling after that dominant win last night. Well, I hate to tell you, if they're moving up, they're taking the stairs, and they've got a walker, right? I mean, they're not pressing the, they're not pressing the elevator and moving that quick. I mean, let's be honest. They played good hockey this week, but to move up, there's still a long ways to go, but they're heading the right direction. Uh, Brown DeBure with this submission. Man, how about this? Two Space Jam references within an hour. It's the Monstars, Busta Rhymes, Coolio, LL, and Method Man with a little hit em high. Bear, we were talking about the best sports movies of all time. There were a few votes for Space Jam. I'll say this. This is one of the more underrated soundtracks of the last 25 years. This is such a good soundtrack, the Space Jam soundtrack. Uh, you know what I'll say, though, when they hit them high? Aren't you shocked that we've just played four games, the Canucks, Flames, four games? You figure, all right, this will be physical. You're going to have Kachuk into it. Lucic, no one's going to challenge it, but you figure some bodies will be going. Man, it, it was timid. Like, and I don't know if it's because this is such a grind on the players, but the physicality and the, oh, we're going to have some serious wars out there, you know, back-to-backs. Can you imagine when they play four in a row, how the animosity, other than some chirping with Markstrom, yeah. honestly. Th- there wasn't even a lot of gloves in the face after whistles. I'm surprised, and maybe that speaks to what what is Calgary, because if I'm Calgary – I'm Giordano. I'm Kajuk. I'm going in everybody's face, hit everybody. That's how we'll beat this team, and they didn't do it. The the only high hits last night were the ones that the Canucks were finishing up top on Markstrom, right? Schmidt's goal. You look at Besser going up high, up and over him. Markstrom chasing him, uh, learning that after what he, after Tanner Pearson got took out. No, I, I I think it was it was more subdued than I think a lot of us anticipated. Uh, Jono with a little Zeppelin classic this morning. He's going with whole lot of love. Jono, I see what you did there. Playing off the lotto line, whole lot of love. Yeah, that was nice. probably the best performance we've seen from the lotto line in a long time. Uh, but that late second period, back-to-back shifts where they kind of took over the game for a bit. Not so much them. It's the first time I think all year you can say your top two lines. Your top six were legitimately your top six. Thought Tanner Pearson had a great game. Hoagland has been the consistent guy, so he's not going to drop off. Horvat and Travis Green double shifted Horvat earlier on. Like early on, that line went out a couple times in the opening ten minutes. Travis Green saying, "I, I like the matchup. I wanted to get them out there. Why not play your stars? You're trying to get over to play your stars." He did that, and boy, did they respond! And a lot of line, especially after that Flames goal. 
Slater in mission after picking up two wins in the last three games. He's going with an Irene Cara f- classic from the soundtrack Flash Dance. No. What a feeling. Salkowski, I feel like this was bumping in your car back in the day. No uh, older brother, though. Um, <laughs> the fire chief? You, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think so. Back then, that was that was his gig. Uh, but you know what the feeling was? I understand that when you win a close game, wasn't it strange to watch that game? There's 15 minutes left, and there's really no concern. Like, um, unless maybe someone had the the over, which I don't know what it was yesterday. I didn't play that. By the way, I took the Canucks to win yesterday. Uh-huh. Um yeah, it just they they were able to relax. You know, let's play some guys in the bottom six, get them some more ice time. Haven't seen that all year, but a good feeling for them by how they played. Uh, how about this one? Uh, a little Bob Seeger, like a instead of like a rock, this was more like a Brock. Like a rock, I see myself again. Like a rock, yeah, kind of the all-star version of Brock Besser from 2018. Like a Brock, as in the one from three seasons ago. It's been a remarkable start to the campaign. It's somewhat surprising if somebody would have told you at the beginning of the year, you're going to get 11 goals and 21 points in the first 20 games of the season for Brock Besser, and you'll be four games below 500. <laughs> you wouldn't have seen that one coming. It's it's funny, that song, what it reminds me of. We had done a spoof, and it's probably two and a half years ago. I don't know how long we've been together, and it was old-time Brock and Bo. Mm-hmm. And the reason we did that was essentially – it wasn't that long ago that that's kind of all you had. You had a Bo Horvat and you had a Brock Besser and you had some hope, but that was it. To think where that team has come now with what you get from a from a Hoagland or from a Pedersen and from a JT Miller, from a Hughes in the background. And, you know, we haven't talked about, give a shout out to Jordy Ben. I mean, he did that first goal. Jordy Ben has quietly been a guy who's going to be a seventh defenseman. And when Travis Hamannick is ready, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But you needed something to start, and they got it from Ben, and then they got the big saves, timely big saves from Holpe, and you just go, get one more, get it going. And then then it happens with Horvat, and they're off to the races last night. Pat and Calgary on the Dunbar Lumber text line uh, suggesting, uh, in my opinion, now would be the best time for Calgary and Vancouver to pull off a Bennett-Vertan. And they don't play each other until the end of March. Helps both teams. Fresh starts would be good for both players. It's obviously going to cost more than just Vertanen to pry Sam Bennett out of Calgary in here. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think both guys could certainly use the start. Jake Vertanen, I mean, man, oh, man, how how this situation has kind of played out uh, over the last year just – Terrible from a Canucks standpoint with just one point in 15 games now this season. All right, 743, the Toronto Blue Jays. Man, you talk about a tale of two incredibly hyped juniors. One's getting paid as a result. We'll get to that story. But, hey, we got Vikingstad with his submission this morning. It's a T-Rex classic taking us to break here on your home of the Canucks. It's T-Rex. Get it on. Bang a gong on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Well, they showed lots of interest, you know, and I had interest interest in them too. Uh, but they never did actually come with an offer, so we just never got got to that point in the negotiations. 
This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Well, there's James Paxton on the Scott Rintoul Show here on Sportsnet 650 yesterday. Uh, a lot of talk about the Ladner native pitching for the Jays here this upcoming season. Rumors, scuttlebutt. Turned out the Jays never actually made an offer. And the lefty decided to go south of the border back to Seattle. Yeah, I think, you know, isn't it like... Uh... It's anything else, right? It comes to baseball. You know, it's home country. It's, you know, you want that hometown player to come back. Paxton, you think, would be a fit. Would have been a nice PR move for the Jays. Hey, for for his family and friends, whenever the border's okay, for him to get his money and go to Seattle, good. Jays get said, announcing officially this morning that they, you know, they said they never approached the government right now about the borders. Um, They're not going to go to Buffalo. They'll hang out for the ease of the players and start their season home games in Dunedin. Yeah, and they're and they're going to they're going to hold out hope that the border reopens at some point. So they're only kind of doing the first two home stands to start in Dunedin, but I can't imagine that the border is going to be opened up by, you know, no. by the summer. I just don't see it. I think they're going to probably wait until everybody's kind of vaccinated before you start letting, you know, letting the border open again. If that, if if I could guess, right? I mean, look, I'm not privy to those discussions, but that's just a hunch on my part that I think the Jays are probably going to spend the season playing south of the border. But uh, James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. I, I will say this, two things. Paxton, um, man, I really hope that he would have landed here with the Jays just to simply right a wrong that, look, it, it seemed like such a natural fit when the Jays, you know, had had him in their system initially and the talk about trying to make it happen. And it just, there was such a bad breakup between the two sides going back 10 years ago, an opportunity to try to make it right for both sides. And uh, ultimately with a new regime, it didn't happen. Who knows, but it's only a one year deal here with the Mariners. So we could see something maybe down the road. Now, the other story to me that pertains to the Jays here, pair. And that was last night as the reports that the earthquake of a signing oh. of 22-year-old Padres star shortstop Fernando Tatis landing a reported deal for 14 years and $340 million. How is that for a commitment to a player who has yet to play a full 162-game major league schedule? I mean, he is that good. And it's, I'm looking at that as my four Fernando Tatis rookie cards I've got in this safe going, yeah, that's a win. But in all seriousness, Parrot, two years ago, there were two juniors. There were two second-generation ball players that had all the fanfare, all the hype in Major League Baseball coming into the league in 2019. One is getting paid as a result of living up to that hype, and the other one, well, we can only hope that Vladdy Guerrero Jr. can at some point meet the expectations that were heaped on him coming into Major League Baseball because he's been okay, but okay has certainly been underwhelming compared to the hype surrounding Vladdy Jr. when he broke into the majors in 2019. Well, but look what they've surrounded him with now. I, I, I think it's unfair. You were looking for someone to go, hey, please, how big are your shoulders? What's the bloodline? This will be great. Please come and get it done. Let's have an all-star appearance. Everybody see how much you can mash the ball. And then maybe it was, all right, you you probably got to be in better shape. Reports he is in better shape now. And look at the help he has now. So, hey, the the bank is going to San Diego. But 
I think Vladdy Jr., just like here, we just talked about, when, remember when there was just Bo Horvat and Brock Besser and so much expected. When you can share it now, expectations aren't specifically on you. You're surrounded by better batters in the lineup. Hopefully, hopefully he starts to feel a little more comfortable. I mean, we expect so much so soon. Some get paid for it. Others can fail. I wouldn't say Vladdy's failed, but I think he looks around and goes, man, this is nice. we got a lot of bats in the lineup now. It's just not on me like, like it was when I first came here. But Tatis might be the face of Major League Baseball in two years for from sure. now. When I look at Vladdy, right now I would say Bo Bichette's the better ball player than Vladdy Jr., right? You know, when you look at the prospects that were coming in, you know, there was anticipation and excitement around Bo Bichette, but nowhere near the anticipation of Vladdy Jr. But conditioning's been an issue for his first two years in Major League Baseball. Look, he's still a young guy. He might still figure it out. But man, oh man. It's not. It is so one-sided right now. Who you'd rather have as a ball player, Fernando Tatis Jr. It's a no contest against Vladdy Jr. in two years. Well, and you know, and we were talking about the numbers that Jack Eichel had. You know, look, look where Jack was, and 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 talk that where should he belong? You can you can't compare the numbers. It's easy and it's fun. Drafted at what position? He didn't pan out. The guy drafted three positions past him. He's better. You enter the same, but that doesn't mean the career direct uh, trajectory is the same. And after a night like last night and the numbers, you know, are there a lot of guys that said, I should have what he has? No. Right place, right time. I- I'm not going to say Vladdy Jr. has been a disappointment yet. It's just the expectations were probably unfair. I think the Oilers got it right when they took McDavid over Eichel I would suggest. One, yeah. 500 points pretty quick last night. Yeah, good call. Same time as Sidney Crosby. It's amazing how those two. Uh, five minutes to 8 o'clock. We'll continue this conversation. Canucks uh, have now taken uh, two or three uh, on a bit of a roll here. Points and three straight. We'll get into it with Ian McIntyre on your Canucks commute coming up in moments. Don't forget, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Keep those submissions coming in. Your Canucks in a song in the 8 o'clock hour loom right here on Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. That's the line we knew we need to be better and um, score more goals and get more offenses on time. And I thought we did a lot better tonight of um, getting in on the forecheck, turning the puck over, and spending time there. And I think that resulted in a few goals, and you know I think it's a good step for our line, and we, we got to keep it going and uh, continue to, to score with balls on. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. There's Brock Besser and uh, responding to the challenge. Look, I think a lot of people have kind of wondered, you know, what's up with the lotto line this season? And offensively, JT Miller and Brock Besser have both produced offensively. I think Pedersen's been the one from a production standpoint, at least when you look at the goals and the points, it hasn't necessarily kind of matched up, but they just seemed off this season. And Brock Besser saying that, hey, look, there was more to give. We needed to get better. They certainly made that statement last night where they really controlled the game most noticeably at the end of that second period with a couple of consecutive shifts. This is your Canucks commute here on your Thursday morning. Canucks 5-1 winners over the Flames last night. And a reminder this hour of the starting lineup, a presentation from our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang over at Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community pair. Much better effort last night by the lotto line and just collectively as a team. And and Braden Holpe is another one that I think yeah. when you look at his performance last night, probably Braden Holpe's best effort as a Canuck last night. 
timely saves, right? I think they're up by a goal. Quinn Hughes pinches down low and throws the puck in the middle of the ice, um, and it's gone, and, and it's a two-man advantage, and, and they're on the rush, and Braden Holpe's there to make the save. So he was good, and he talked about, hey, it's not a bad thing, actually, to sit out. They went with Thatcher Demko. He said, I worked on some stuff with Ian Clark, and, and he was good, and he was steady. And, you know, you can listen, and we hear about the process, and we have for the last week. And the auto-auto line's got to be better. It's when you see it. And what I liked about even post-game, um, the, the big question, I don't know if we ever get the answer. IMAC, I think it asked it. But uh, if you happen to be watching on television on Sportsnet, there's Horvat, and it's always two players at once, and Besser. And both of them are just working like dogs not to crack up laughing. You know, Brock covers his mouth. Bo's a little more stoic to begin, but they're both smiling. And, you know, IMAC said, like, is is – Markstrom chirping you, or can you hear what's going on? But there's a belief in this team that they have had constantly, and with the very good reason, the fan base questioned. And, and rightfully so. You can only talk about how good you think you are as a line if you don't prove it. Even statistically, it was probably, you know, it was embellished a little bit with some power play points. But last night, not only the lotto line and credit to them and that response after the Calgary goal, but Bo Horvitz line was good. So, when you are titled top six and you are legitimately top six and the best six on the ice, your team's going to win most nights. Here's uh, Travis Green on uh, what he said, uh, his thoughts on the game last night and, and just what a win like that does for the team's psyche. Well, I think it gives you just belief in what you're doing, what you're playing, how you're playing. Uh, it's one it's one thing to be told that you're playing well and and. I think they believed they were, but a games like this will just solidify uh, maybe that belief and and continuing to get the buy-in that we need throughout our whole group to play a certain way. Uh, you know, I said it. I've said it the last few days. We're not going to look past the next game. We're not going to. We're not going to talk about trying to go on a run here. We're just we'll enjoy tonight's game and and uh, tomorrow start getting ready for the next game and. Uh, you know, if you keep playing the way we can and the way we have the last, really probably since that Toronto game, uh, good things are going to happen if we play that way. I truly believe that. So there's Travis Green. And, and look at this team now suddenly, you know, depending on which trend you more believe in, here was a team that had lost seven of eight going into last night's game. But now you can kind of look at it after last night's win and say, hey, look, there's there's points in three straight. They've won two of the last three. And and pair, if you want to start connecting the dots, you know, you look at that sort of on ice tense moment between JT Miller and Braden Holpe that happened two Saturdays ago on Hockey Night in Canada for everybody across the country to see. You know, this may have actually brought this team together to force some of those uncomfortable conversations to try to, you know, preach some accountability, to kind of say, hey, let's get going. Because they followed that up with, even though they lost to the Leafs, it was a much better effort two nights later, falling 3-1. And then they lost the opener of the series against the Calgary Flames in a game that the Canucks completely dominated. But, you know, hey, Jacob Markstrom was a difference in that one. They win that game on Saturday. They probably should have won on Monday night that they fall in overtime. They pick up a point in. And then last night, the exclamation mark chasing Jacob Markstrom. And, and I would say probably mentally helping exercise a demon for a guy who's really kind of had their number in the six ma- ma- matchups this season, at least in five of them until last night. 
you know, it's so strange, right? When a player plays his old team, you, you want to get that first game out of the way. But with the game so important and to see him 10 times, you go, is this the worst case scenario? I mean, Jim Benning probably breathed a little bit yesterday, seeing five goals pumped in on Jacob Markstrom and go, okay, yeah, he can't be great every night. And I think he really was frustrated. But I, I do like your point. I think it's so valid. This team was so tight in the bubble, and then they get ripped apart because of business and nothing that they have to do with it. Braden Holpe gets shoved in with a Nate Schmidt who can get along with absolutely everybody, and then they sputter, and they're on the road, and they can't go out anymore. So you had your fight in front of everybody, and if that's what Holpe was to JT Miller, who wasn't good enough, and two veterans and one with a Vesna and a Stanley Cup that deserves respect, then light it up. Have a tough conversation in the room. And then, and then do it and believe in it. And I think they've been doing it since then. Tough to believe when you're not getting points. And I said this earlier. It's like anything you have, if you've got mutual funds, I hope you didn't look at them in the summertime because the world was crazy. And if you ever looked, you go, oh, my God, I don't want to look. Well, enjoy what the Canucks did. But don't look at the standings yet, people, because the standings aren't fun to look at. But the process and the product is there and the belief is there right now in these guys. So, you know, Winnipeg comes tomorrow. All right. Winnipeg's up four games in hand, but they're right in front of you. And the people you got to trace down because of that horrible start, they're right in front of you. And if there's a belief, and certainly we can tell by the text, and there seems to be a belief that, oh, maybe these guys are coming back. We'll see. Uh, you know, look, I, I think when you talk about from a leadership standpoint, last night proved to be, you know, it was Ash Wednesday for for many and it also proved to be a day of atonement for a lot of Canuck veterans who really had an off night in that overtime loss to the Calgary Flames. Brock Besser with just a or or Bo Horvat I should say correcting myself here but Bo Horvat with just a tragic turnover on Monday night. You know Nate Schmidt with just a horrific nightmare of a play that winds up in the back of the net on Monday night. You know JT Miller MIA for the most part on Monday night. Jordy Ben, terrible defensive coverage uh, that results in a goal on Monday night. And all four of those guys factoring in on the scoring last night, and that's leadership. Braden Holpe with his best effort as a Vancouver Canuck, and that's leadership, right? Him forcing those conversations, talking about being a disconnected group two weeks ago. And what does he do? He stepped up with improved play, and I think now there's an opportunity to get a couple of consecutive games. I'd be shocked if he's not starting tomorrow night in the opener against the Jets in this two-game series at Rogers Arena. But here's what Nate Schmidt had to say about Braden Holpe's performance last night and kind of vintage Holpe in the eyes of Nate. That was just classic Braden tonight. You know, he was he was out there. He's laughing. He's having a good time, you know, <laughs> kicking the puck around, you know, even all the way down to the end. But, you know, in all seriousness, you made a couple of really big saves, like you said, when the game was tight. And, you know, the type of mentality that even when it's 5-1, had a couple of really great saves in the third period to, to preserve a lead and, and uh, you know, not make it a close one, you know, with about five, six minutes left. Um, it was incredibly important uh, for our group to know that, you uh, you know, we got a guy back there that can go out and, and give you a game like that when you need it. I mean, that's that gives uh, gives your group a lot of confidence to go out and win a game. Uh, let's bring in our uh, Sportsnet Canucks insider, Mr. Ian McIntyre, who joins us here on this uh, Thursday morning. Hi, Mac. Um, you know, I've got, it's, a, it's, I've got a reporter crush on Nate Smith. <laughs> oh, I know when that alone. sentence started, you were hoping uh, I was going to say you, right, mm-hmm. James? Sure. Yeah. 
Okay. I just have a general crush on you, but I got a reporter Thanks. crush. I'm a lovable guy. I'm good in the room. You are. You are. You're excellent. excellent. It's easier to listen excellent to in the room, easier. even though you haven't been in the room since. Uh, yeah. You know. Seven too years. long. <laughs> but uh, can you imagine if we all got in the room and were able to talk to Nate Schmidt every day, like in a casual, just talk to him, you know, shoot the breeze about the team and what's going on around the league, oh. how how good he would be. That guy's got an he's got an opinion about everything, I think. Yeah, he's yeah. just fun. I wonder well, what was you know, and here's the thing, and I think you asked the question last night as I'm watching postgame. Like Bo was laughing, Brock is laughing, you go, know, what the you know, what the heck's so funny, right? I wish they could just tell us. It's it's yeah. just such a mystery with what goes on right now. Yeah, we just don't really get in uh inside to to, to really know and you know, that's it's hard for us. We knew that this was the way it was gonna be and it's far preferable to the alternative of of having no access but i also think it it uh it hurts the teams as well because they're they're losing some of that connection to fans they they lose a chunk of it of course because there's no fans in the building and and teams and it doesn't matter whether you're playing in front of five thousand people in florida in which case maybe the pandemic doesn't change anything for them or or uh 19,000 people in Vancouver, 22,000 in Montreal. There's always a connection in games between the home team and the fans. But there's also that connection to fans through us. And and we, unfortunately, just the way things are, we can't we can't give people the uh, the peek behind the curtain, so to speak, that we that we're often able to do with this great big show. But there's there always seems to be something to write about, and especially with the Canucks, and they gave us something else last night. When you look at what we saw last night, um, you know, suddenly it's points in three straight, but, I mean, do we should, are we overestimating or underestimating the impact of maybe that moment with J.T. Miller and Braden Holtby going back almost two weeks ago here? Or they've been better since. Yeah, yeah, I think... Uh, they have been better since, and I hadn't thought of that, James. Whether that was that was a catalyst, I think that was indicative. That moment, I think, was indicative of what Travis Green had been trying to sell to players: that hey, you got to take some responsibility here. This isn't good enough. Let's let's get back to being the team we were, and and that. That sort of was a a, a very um, high profile uh, kind of reinforcement of that ideal that uh, that you know things are not good and we better we better take some responsibility here and smarten up and they have been different since since then uh, so maybe maybe that was certainly that game those two games in Toronto which followed. The two games in Montreal. That was what we hope was their bottoming out. You know, the two games in Toronto were were awful because the first one they got blown out. They just weren't nearly good enough. And then the second one, there was no response. You know, the five-one game was the one where where Kevin Bx on Hockey Night was said the Canucks are fun to play against, which is the biggest indictment mm-hmm. you could have. Mm-hmm. You know, at least give somebody a dirty look, show, show some, show some anger, you know, and, and there hasn't really necessarily been a game where they've showed anger, but they've showed a lot more determination. 
uh, since then and, and engagement. And as we said all along, and this is why the top players are top players, when you, when you get them fully engaged and playing the right way, everyone else will follow. And I think that's what's happening right now. I'd say last night's game, that was the best game of the year for the Canucks' top players. Because oh, for sure. the first half of the game, it was the Horvat line, and then the Lotto line took over. And it took over at a really important time, just after Calgary had scored. It's 2-1 in a game uh, where Vancouver could be farther ahead. And it, the goal coming late in the second minute and a half to go by Mangiapani just had that feeling like this this is going to be a momentum yeah. changer. This is going to be another one of those goals, you know, late in a period to carry over and, and have an effect at the start of the next period. And instead, uh, the lot of line and Miller especially, who's taken a lot of heat and deservedly so, you know, he, he scores one goal and he makes makes the best of several good plays on, on the other goal within a half minute and suddenly it's like, Oh, okay, well, this is different. We haven't seen this, this, this is different. And, and, uh, we'll, you know, it's only five games and of the five games is only two wins, but they have been a much better team, but now they got to keep doing yeah. it, you know, like yeah, now, I mean, they, now they need it for another 25 games and we'll see where they are. That's exactly it. I mean, appreciate what they've done in the last five days as far as watching them play. Don't look at the standings because it's still not a pretty picture. Answer me this as part of our poll question today as Ian McIntyre joins us, as he does on Thursday uh, at 8. A bigger surprise so far, where Brock Besser is in NHL scoring or that Niels Holglander is legitimately a top six player and sits where he does in rookie scoring? Well, they're, well, they're both surprising, but... Uh, we knew, or we should know, that Brock Besser has has the ability to finish. And although last year was a struggle for him, uh, there was always that possibility. Um, I'd say even likelihood, not that he was going to, you know, be in the Rocket Richard race, but I think there was a pretty good likelihood that Brock Besser was going to get back to being the player that we thought he was. So I would say, to me, the bigger surprise even though we've been accustomed to it now because we've seen this surprise for 20 games. So after 20 games, it doesn't feel that surprising anymore. But the biggest surprise is still Hoglander, you know, because he wasn't even supposed to be on the team. He, he, he's a, a he, not only ahead of schedule in playing in the NHL, he's, he's driving play every night. And, he, and he's a guy like his offensive totals, the ones that, that uh, Calder Trophy voters uh, will look at first, they don't nearly do him justice for, mm-hmm. for how he has performed. He could have a lot more points to start with. But apart from that, it's just, you know, when you talk about the engagement of the top players and everyone following, he's been engaged every game. I think you know he's what? Prob- Created that probably turnover. been the most consistent guy every game, showing up and giving you everything he has. Ian, he created that turnover. I think that led to the Besser goal too, right in the neutral zone. Like you know, for the for the knocks and the and the questions about you know, can he play in his own end? 
you know, and I think it'll remain to be a work in progress as a young player, but man, he's shown a lot, uh, you know, at the other end of the ice, like we see the opportunities that, you know, we see him taking the chances, shooting the puck. And, you know, I think we've kind of talked this week a little bit from a nitpicking standpoint and just to hit the net, but you know, he's creating and, and he's also creating turnovers as well. And that's an encouraging thing. And well, his motor's own. always going and it doesn't yes. matter whether yeah. it's in the offensive zone or, or the defensive zone. And he's always fighting for the puck. You know, I've said before the 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 trait that he shares with Elias Pettersson as a guy who's kind of shown up and now has a foothold is that yeah, there's there's skill there, but it's that that uh, demand for the puck. Like he, it, at times, you know, it seems like he's offended if he doesn't have it, and that's how hard he's trying to get it back. Like it belongs to him and. When you have that mindset, and again, I'm not saying that he's going to be Elias Pettersson because I think Pettersson has a much higher offensive ceiling. But when you have that built into your game uh, where no matter where you are on the ice, you want the puck and you're working to get it, you're not waiting for somebody else to get it for you, uh, that, that's a very good thing because it means you're going to be engaged which is basically what all coaches want. You know, they you can live with you can live with mistakes. Uh but you can't live with with players who uh, aren't fully committed and aren't aren't trying as hard as they can and and in that way uh Hoglander's been an example since since game 1 and continues to be every game. You you win with some draft picks and you lose Olyolevi will never live up to where he was drafted. Not his fault. But honestly, don't you think he's getting more and more comfortable in a situation there now? I think he's been terrific. And I said last night on the post-game show, you know, I didn't understand uh, the the attachment to Chatfield for so long. And it's not that that Jalen isn't, you know, a solid prospect as well. He's you know, had a lot, had more time in the minors than Yulevi. Maybe he's a little more polished, but uh, I think Oli has been pretty good uh, whenever he's played, and I think he's been excellent since he since he returned. And yeah. uh, you know, we we talked uh, probably two or three years ago. It was you know he. He'd had the injury problems after in the first couple of years after his draft. We saw how good some of the other players were, especially, you know, forget Matthew Kachuk, but if if you accept that the Canucks really wanted a defenseman, we've seen how good guys like McAvoy and Sergachev, uh, a couple of others who were drafted after him are. But... There was a, there's always a possibility, okay, so he's not going to be that dynamic guy. But he could still be Dan Hamhuis, which, of course, is a best-case scenario. Like, Dan Hamhuis won a gold medal for Canada at the Olympics. He was a darn good player. But there was nothing flashy about his game. But he, he, was, he played, showed up every night, was very smart, was mobile, used his skills to defend first and was skillful enough to contribute offensively, but just built built a career by being 
smart and consistent and doing the right thing. And Ole Ulevi could still be uh, a player like that. And he certainly looks to me, mind you, this is too small a sample. Like we're, we're going to have to see him, you know, even I was going to say the full season, but this full season isn't even a full season. We're going to have to see him for a while longer. But he certainly looks to me, at minimum, that he's going to be an NHL player. And it looks like he could still, you know, I, I'm not going to predict he's going to be a top four guy. Might be. But it, it doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem to be overwhelmed by anything. You know, he's, he looks at ease with himself and confident, and I think he has a chance to still be a, a very good player for Vancouver. Nice to catch up, sir. Nice to, uh, you can go back to your Nate Schmidt crush, and uh, now that Nate knows, he might be even more accommodating to you. Have, have you guys ever thought of starting, like, a, a bourbon or something? James Perry or Perry James hmm. bourbon. Or underwear. Uh, or use bourbon. I or like underwear. Brown. I like or brown both. liquor. Both. You could be you a know, uh, You know, here's a too much information for you here, iMac, but oh, just no. real quick. A couple of years ago. Uh, so I was Brent, wearing this underwear. and yeah. then So Brenda Brenda bought me this, uh, I think it's Loot Crate or something like that. Is You, know, you order this, uh, you can order these fun underwear. Kind of, they're basically <laughs> oh, like almost, man. almost well, like. Where are we, where are we going? Well, no, no. Where but like they're basically, this? no, but basically like. like okay, you got the Basically like kind of goofy. No, but like goofy boxers kind of thing, right? So they kind of. Like they have like a lot of pop culture things, like comics and cartoons, and kind of you know like Star Wars and kind of Marvel comics that, that sort of theme, right? A hundred percent, which is why she bought it, right? So she thought it was she was getting a uh, like a three pack of this thing, right? <laughs> it has been. She ordered these in, I believe, in the fall of 2019. It is 2021 now, and I still keep getting. A pair every month. I think I might have up north of fifteen wow. pairs now. Uh, they, actually, no, sorry, this was fall of twenty eighteen, and they still have been coming. Like I've got about fifteen pairs of these now. That are, and they're just some of them are the most ridiculous things. But SpongeBob and Underoos yeah. and all of it. But they like I don't know if they forgot about us, but they just keep shipping us to and they don't bill her on them. But but I just keep getting more and more underwear. Perry James, your go-to site for Underoos. <laughs> they Thanks were cool for taking us kid. down that road, IMAC. <laughs> Have a good day, guys. You're the best. Later. Thanks, IMAC. Ian McIntyre, Sportsnet Canucks insider, uh, joining us uh, with his thoughts on the uh, on the state of the Canucks right now, and uh, perhaps uh, you know the best effort we've seen from Braden Holpe, and probably the best effort through the first 20 games of the Lotto line that we saw last night. Which results in the best effort for the team, right? All the pieces of the puzzle fit. You get D-men jumping up. They still continue to contribute offensively. Um, you know, you just wonder. You mentioned the Holpe Miller. You just wonder if the two minutes, the final two minutes of that period when JT Miller and the lotto line took over is now they're going, boys, we're back. Uh, let's pull it off. We're back. We'll see, right? It, it's, you know, the text line and the songs coming in are all so positive. You know, Friday night it can take a big fall with the Winnipeg Jets in town. But I think at least now – this Canucks team, what they've resembled in the last week ago, all right, you do belong with Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton, and that's who you're fighting after to get into a postseason spot. All right, 26 minutes after 8 o'clock, uh, a little bit on the state of what the uh, Vancouver Canadians could be looking at for this upcoming season, and uh, more of your hits. Canucks in a song, Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. Lots of submissions coming in. We'll share our submissions. We'll play yours as well here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 
Yeah, just that we can't play in Vancouver, Ben, and we're still working through that. So I don't really have much more to say about that right now, but it's obvious that the same limiting factors in, in Toronto would limit us from playing in Vancouver as well. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 832, there's Mark Shapiro, uh, the president of the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, discussing uh, from a Vancouver Canadian standpoint. Uh, it's complicated. Uh, don't look for the seas to be here at the NAT this summer, unfortunately. But I, th- you know, I, th- I would say this based on where we are right now. I don't think anybody's surprised at this. I think a lot of people have been resigned to the fact that this would probably be the case this year. Pair. I think there's always been hope. Um, you know, as, as we sit here, and we're almost becoming uh, getting closer and closer to a year since essentially sports stop and Rudy Gobert. Um, I think there's hope, you know, Major League Soccer set to uh, start training camps. You know, and I'm sure the Whitecaps aren't coming here. There's no logic to say that they will be in Vancouver again to start. How does uh, CFL football? There's maybe the one thing that gets to play. You're north of the border. Bring all the players in. Get everything situated. Do you play in front of fans? I'm not sure. Disappointing, though. I mean, it was great news in the offseason for the Canadians that they now have moved up. They'll play more games. But, yeah, I, I would say uh, not surprising. It's just when you hear it, it's just a little disappointing and another dose of reality as to when we will indeed get back to normal. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, we are the starting lineup here on your home in the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This hour presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang located at 152nd and Fraser Highway. It's Surrey Honda where you'll find quality and community. All right. Canucks in a song, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we have taken a ton of submissions over the course of the morning, and uh, we play it after every Canucks game if you're just joining us for the first time. Uh, music very subjective, and given on how things play, what song best sums up how the Canucks performed from the night prior? Um, this morning, Pear, what was, what was your thought? Where did you see the Canucks through the eyes of a beat from last night's 5-1 win over the Flames? First of all, found it a little easier because when's the last time that there was 15 minutes left in a Canucks game? <laughs> you actually start thinking that I have a pretty good idea where this one is rolling to. Uh, and, and to the operative word, to the big goals scored in response to Calgary's, to in fact that you had your top two lines rolling in the same game. If it was in the lotto line kicking in in the second, it was Bo Horvat and his line kicking in the first. Your top six was great. Your top two lines were great. I went old school Rob Bass, my Canucks in a song. It takes two. Let's go. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Same to work, James. Took a team, but you needed two big lines, and they showed up yesterday. Yeah, I mean, like that was a complete effort, though, right? I mean, the only goal that ultimately beat Braden Holpe, and I thought just how good Braden Holpe was as well. You know, to, to get that sort of production look. Bo Horvat, beautiful goal, split in the D. Uh, Hoaglander creates the turnover in the neutral zone. A nice feed to Bo. He's got to knock it down. But the only goal that beats Braden Holpe was just an insane individual effort by Andrew Mangiapane, and then gets a little lucky with the bounce that kind of banks off the post and in. Um, yeah, just a, a complete effort last night. And, and you know, for me, my Canucks in a song this morning pair, I'll look at it this way. 
it was it was kind of a day of atonement for the Canucks. And you know, this is a team that had, you know, lost six straight games before finally ending the slide and just when they seemed to have some momentum, then all of a sudden Monday you got all these critical mistakes from Bo Horvat and Nate Schmidt and JT Miller and Jordy Ben, and they all answer with big goals last night chasing Jacob Markstrom. So I'm going with Florence and the Machine. The dog days are over. beat to that one too yeah. you know i gotta yeah. say just so you know humble brag there uh, good call sobolski nicely done no that was a good call uh let's hope the dog days are over i, I think the poor play is over it's just a matter whether or not their good play results in in points i got one more point of this series than calgary did they were probably the better hockey team for what they play 12 periods probably the better hockey team for nine and a half periods and the point totals don't show that but yeah let's hope that we have seen the worst of this team in the shortened season uh, you know, we got at 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. One thing I'm certainly learning is we have a lot of chefs that listen to our show. You know, Chef Carl, he was going with uh, Judas Priest. You got another thing coming. Uh, we had Island Chef with a couple of comments as well here on our Dunbar Lumber text line. And then there's Chef Jeff who's going with this MC Hammer classic. Can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Touch this. Probably a great way to sum up Brock Besser's shot that ultimately chased Jacob Markstrom last night, who just looked like he was out of gas by the time that fifth goal was in. I think Jacob Markstrom's a frustrated goalie right now, and much like you know, you had the Holpe episode blowing up at JT Miller at some point, and maybe it already has happened behind the scenes. And Jacob Markstrom afterwards said, "Listen, I've got to be much better." Uh, at some point, his new teammates will understand what Jacob Markstrom expects, not of himself, but of everybody. And we, you know, the blow up from Calgary last night was from Coach Jeff Ward going, you know, started swearing. We got to figure out who we are. When you're, you know, the indictment of calling out your team and not trying hard enough and showing any fight is as low as you can go. And right now, without Jacob Markstrom, that team is really struggling and they're struggling with them. So interesting to see what happens to Calgary for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Brian, uh, with this submission, uh, the Kings and a little switch into glide. Switch into glide. Switch into glide. Switch into glide. You know, it's kind of nice to switch see this team kind of cruise into that third period, right? And, and you know, Pear, I, I looked, you know, when the Flames scored late in that second period and I looked at the clock and I'm going, oh, for crying out loud. And I kind of just talk, talking to myself, you know, out loud going, those late period goals for crying out loud. You've now given Calgary life going into the third and boom, they turn around with not just one, but two quick goals to uh, just kind of shut the Flames up to close out that second period. That's how you close a period. But it's a team that has wilted, right? I mean, the only thing we can base the Canucks on in the last five weeks was they would make a mistake and they didn't have enough to get going. You know, they, they don't come from behind and win hockey games. And Nate Schmidt said as much over the last couple of weeks when they were struggling. This was not the team I played against when we were in the bubble. Like, the one thing I admired and why I was so excited to be a member of the Vancouver Canucks is, man, they just never quit. They just never quit. So here we are. and We've seen it the last month. Goal goes in. There's no pushback. 
So expectations last night after Mangiapane's goal is, oh, a late goal. And now they're going to wilt in the third period. They're screwed. And then at two minutes time, you're just like, da, da, da. here they are, led by JT Miller. And now everybody goes, oh, okay, we do push back. That's who we are. Let's see if they can carry it over. It's great. All the submissions are so positive. It doesn't mean a whole lot if Saturday morning you're waking up going, gosh, that was brutal. Jets were so much better. But there's hope now, and everybody loves hope. Well, uh, Chris and Duncan uh, going with one that I think a lot of uh, Canucks fans, especially the Loyalists, uh, could probably appreciate this vibe this morning. It's from the cars, and it's a little just what I needed. I guess you're just what I needed. Just what I needed. I needed someone to feed. I guess you're just what I needed. Just what I needed. That's exactly what the Canucks needed. You know, outside of outside of some of those uh, resounding wins emphatic wins over a hapless Ottawa Senators team from last month that don't look like the same Ottawa Senators from a month ago, by the way. Um, you know, the Canucks haven't had a win like that this year. Like that's you know that's the first in a while, probably if you go back to that Winnipeg win. But, you know, that was one that was just... The Canucks dominated last night. There aren't a lot of those wins in the North Division, but if you look over the last six weeks, most of those wins that have happened, the Canucks have been the opponent. Right? How often did we talk about these guys would either get oh. blown up by three goals or when they would win, they would win by three goals. But there's mostly tight checking games. And, you know, you saw last night as the Canucks are winning, you go, if anybody flipped over and watched the Jets Oilers, you're going, okay, don't tie it up. Because the last thing you need in the fight that's going to be for the fourth and final playoff spot, which is where I think the Canucks are, man, when you see teams getting points in overtime, that's what's going to kill you. Especially because the Canucks were unable to do so in the first four weeks. But, yeah, I think the fan base is, okay, that's what we needed. But you need to get on a run because it's really not reflected in the standings right now that this team has played better hockey for the last week. Bob and Richmond on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Going a little Stevie Winwood, a little back in the high life again. I'll be back in the high life again. All the doors like those one time will open up again. Hey, you know what? Points and three straight. That's that's all right. Uh, how about this one? Uh, the Loving Spoonful also getting a shout out this morning with Do You Believe in Magic? Tell you what, that magic was back from the lotto line last night in a big way and especially on display at the end of that second period pair with two consecutive dominant shifts that we've kind of wondered, what is wrong with these guys this year? You know what? They looked back in a big way at the end of that second period. Yeah, uh, listen, they they were great. They were they're a line that says they can be a top line. Uh, someone chiming in. Bryce the Builder says we got to come up with a name for the second line now. He's firing some numbers up. He wants the sequence line, different lines. Hey, you find names for lines when they play well. The Lotto line deserved that name, but didn't deserve a whole bunch of credit by not being able to take over games. They say they can take over games. They have taken over games, and for the first one, they took over a couple of shifts and said, get on our back. We'll get it done. Uh, it was fun to see. Um, you know, Bo Horvat's kind of seen as a bit of a bull. You got Niels Hoaglander, you know, Animal Farm, you know, Bulls and Hogs. I don't know. Just put it out there. Just put that out into there. Oh, I'm already getting yeah, chirped in my ear on that one. All that's right. not working. That's not working. What? The Hogue train, man. I'm telling you. Ride the Hogue train. 
writes itself. Uh, something, something, there's something there with. You uh, can't crap on an idea. You what? cannot crap on an idea and offer nothing in response. That's terrible. Thank you. No, because I don't come up with ideas right away, right? Like, ideas take time. You got to see it play out, right? It's a process. You can't just automatically go, bow. Now, you might have something with the bow as in a bow arrow, the piercing of a bow and a, and a hog. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm respectful for the Canuck fans that are vegan. We live in Vancouver. So I don't know where. So I can't come up with something right away, right? Uh, 8.44, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at 9 o'clock. That's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. That's uh, Greg Malik, DJ Greg Malik on the other side of the glass. This is uh, that's it. CC Peniston, is that what it is there, Malik? Is that who? Is that yeah, who I had to look it up. I've huh? I've never heard of CC Peniston. Oh, she was big in the early nineties. Well, she had the one hit. Well, I, I know the song, but I don't know the artist. You know what's scary? You see that Rick Astley's trending. Going, what? Does he die? Uh-oh. Apparently, Uh-oh. they've taken his video and turned it into 4K digital. So everyone's getting these Rick Astley nightmares. Never going to live. Well, there was the there was the great cover that uh, Dave Grohl and Rick Astley did. Uh, right, you go back. I think it was a couple of years ago where Dave showed up at a little oh, club show this? with Rick Astley. Rick Astley, yeah, they, the two of them got up and sang it together. Wow, it was pretty funny. Yeah, we've got a lot of people. I, I think we've got a task for us before we're done this week. A lot of people trying to come up with a a nickname for the Horvat Pearson Hoglander line. What was yours that I, I ripped into? It wasn't great. You had. You, you didn't put hogs. any time in. Yeah, there was no time into that. Now, I came up with at least maybe something to do with hobo, right? Because yeah. you, you, you've got hobo. And, but where do you figure in Pearson? Someone's got. Well, he's, a, he's a pending unrestricted free agent. So, I mean, you can't. I don't know how much you want to really kind of commit to Tanner Pearson. <laughs> so, so he doesn't get to be part of the line. <laughs> yeah, dude, if, if this team continues to lose games, he might be on the trade block at the deadline, right? So, you uh, know, maybe, maybe hobo might be all right. Yes. The Brute uh, horsepower. Someone coming up with that. There was a better one here that came in too. That it, uh, uh, Hobo rides the train. Sauce line. I don't mind this. HP sauce. That doesn't work though because I, I feel you're right with Pearson. HP sauce. Actually, it's pretty good. There's not, not a bad. lot. Of, not, not, not a lot of consideration for the captain in there. But uh, the, far- HP you know, the farm. Line, but the farm line is pretty good. Yeah, I don't mind the farm line. I don't find it. You know, by the way, HP sauce. Does it like? Does anybody ever go and say, "Hey, you got any HP sauce anymore?" I mean, did that not die by the Frank's Red Hot? There's so many other sauces. You know, sriracha. You're not going. Hey, you don't have any HP sauce, do you? How about? Well, how about uh, even more so? How about the old Heinz Fifty Seven? Yeah. I would say this. Do you know? Do you know what HP means? No idea. HP sauce. (laughs) Not Hewlett Packard. No. It's a House of Parliament. <laughs> House uh, House of Parliament. No. Yeah. Which actually, really? if you if anybody who's ever been over to England, when you it, it, they don't even actually call it HP sauce. It's just called brown sauce. 
Well, they don't know how to cook in England anyways, right? You go there, you get roasted and potatoes. Like, just give give me dirt and I'll throw it on the way you cook a piece of meat. So it's I funny see, how two countries though? it's funny. It's funny how two countries could be next door neighbors, one known for fine worldly cuisine like France, and then, you know, England known for bangers and mash and shepherd's pie, which I'm a big fan of shepherd's pie, but nevertheless, like one's known for one of the worst cuisine, uh, you know, worst items on the planet and one's known <laughs> for one of the best. So You know, one of my big one of my biggest mistakes in England where I was wrapping up the show we're going everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is English, so we spent a lot of time in Wales and in England. But the first time I met her her grandmother, great Nana, bless her soul. She was great. She offers me some Rabina. Well, I guess so. I'll have some Rabina. But I poured, unknowing that I should be filtering it and diluting it with water. So I'm just sipping this purple syrup, trying to be plate. And she's being more plate going, Perry, like you needed to add water in there. This is this is our go-to drink. And I was like, oh, God. But yeah, the Brits love them. But when it comes, drink, give me a beer, but don't cook for me, man. Don't cook for me. The hog vets in line. That's from uh, Anthony. No, not doing it. Sorry, Anthony. I Hog, like, I, Hoagie's I like... Heroes isn't bad. Hoagie's Heroes. Too young. You can't give him the name for the line, though. Oh, yeah. No. At least at least get a full season under your belt. Uh, hey, listen, we got to get out of here. Tomorrow's Friday. It's another game day as the Canucks and the Jets collide for the first two at Rogers Arena. Ron McLean will join us. Uh, the, Brent, uh, the Scott Rintoul Show is coming your way at the top of the clock. Brendan Morrison dropping by. Thank you so much for so many submissions. We couldn't get to all of them today. Man, somebody had tag team. Whoop, there it is. I would have just loved to hear that 90s classic. But, you know, we'll hit the music tomorrow. Another game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.